This program deals with devil worship and satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes and rituals. Americans are asking who attacked our country. You have declared a subliminal jihad against the United States. Can you tell us why? Everything pertaining to what's happening has never come to the surface. The world will never know the true facts of what occurred, my motives. And night fell on a different world. And Iblis is thinking, you know, I should be getting this position, not Adam, and this guy is created from dirt. And how does the army feel about you being head of the Temple of Set? And the conspiracy theorists can say what they will. But... I want you to give me power over Adam. And I want you to give me soldiers and minions and all of these things. But he has, but he has so much to gain and has such a material motive for putting a position on him. And uh, who was the grotto leader? Don't remember his name. You don't remember the name of a person who involved you in murder? Now they speak very high position, yeah. Should I read number three? Yeah, sure. Number three. Okay, this is from Young Haller on October 11th, 2021. Y'all think Thomas Pynchon vaccinated? <laughs> Hmm. Um, I don't think about that. I don't know. It's hard to say. I feel like it could go either way. Like on one, I like googled a, it. it. What did did, did well? Did I I, go, I just googled Thomas Pynchon vaccine to see if he had ever talked about vaccines in the like. I guess it didn't really search through his books, his novels, but um, I didn't really find anything like directly like of him commenting yeah, either way. I, and I, it, I, it really I, is a tricky question. And yeah, I could see him not doing it because, like, I feel like, you know, yeah, like, the whole idea, uh, I mean, I feel like there's such, like, a distrust of, like, particularly, like, the promise to, like, keep us safe from, like, the powerful mm-hmm. that, like, might have inflected, like, a vaccine resistance on the part of Thomas Pynchon, but also I feel like, you know, I do feel like at the end of the day, like, even people who, like, kind of signaled that way, like, I feel like Thomas Pynchon is kind of an insider, too. And like, I feel like He's, people who kind of signal yeah, that way bit. who are insiders, like they all did, whether they wanted us to think so or not, you know? So I don't know. I could go either way. Yeah. I mean, and he's also, he's, he's up there in years. I think he's yeah, what, true. early nineties now. Mm. He's like 93. Oh yeah. Well then in that case, yeah, I didn't even realize that he was in his nineties. In that case, he must've gotten it. I think if he's really, I yeah. mean, I feel like most people at that age either got it unless their doctors felt like they were too sick to yeah. kind of handle it so there was like and i feel some like even like but you know even pretty principled like anti-vax people like think that it's acceptable to get it if you're that old i think yeah i didn't realize that he was so yeah old. yeah i I, I, sense. I don't know why i, I would put odds on him um, having gotten it but like i wouldn't be surprised if he refused to get it and, <laughs> yeah like, i mean this I is just, also you know, asked, i could see it like aligning with like his uh, ethos is expressed in some of his novels the people's like you know they but yeah, I could see like I mean also maybe also, he figures he's so old that like who you know at this point who cares? I don't know. Yeah, I mean No, I think I think a lot of older people have that had that kind of feeling yeah. of like uh, like even if they felt like, you know, people under the age of 70 like shouldn't be forced to get it, they were just going to get it cuz they're like whatever, I'm old. Like, you know, and like COVID does like to the extent that it does kill people, it pretty much kill it like people who are over 90 are in like the most at risk group so also you know young haller asked this on october 11th of last year boy what a difference a year makes right Mm -hmm. i mean back around this time they were rolling out 
mandates on everybody in a lot of places and they were rolling out the boosters. There was some Damn, contentiousness yeah, around this. Remember. remember last year? Like, I mean, it was a it was a, a was strange that, time. Yeah, well, I remember all the different developments that occurred. Was that like around when we were all getting vaccinated the first time? I think maybe it was it. No, no, this would have been if you did get vaccinated in like the first wave. That was like the spring summer of 2021. Yeah, right. That's and then right. Okay. Delta showed up in the summer. Mm-hmm. And people were kind of like, oh, it, you can kind of get it again, but like you're still protected. And like it still was being said that the vaccines were like, you know, 90 percent effective. Then they were like, oh, they're like 80 percent. And then. Right. Yeah. I remember, this question yeah. was asked right before because Omicron blew up in like early December of last year. Mm-hmm. And that was like right before the Christmas holidays that happened. I remember I was uh, I was in New York last year and right when I got there, like they announced like Omicron is here and it's everywhere. And like a lot of people I knew, like a lot of people I, you know, I know in New York, they were saying all of their friends who had been out being social, like all got it and Mm -hmm. stuff. So that was weird because it was like, okay, all these vaccinated people are getting it now. It evades all the immunity. It seems to be milder. Also Biden is like, remember he was like screaming at people about how the dark winter was coming and yes. like, you have, a, you have a winter of death and destruction yeah. waiting for you, you anti-vax fucks if you don't get it right now. And what there was a lot say? of pressure. Like, yeah, you will. Uh, yeah, like I forget exactly his exact words, but I remember it being something like that. It's like prepare, for those of you who have not vaccinated, like prepare to die or something, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it was crazy shit. There was peer pressure. I felt a little bit of it um, to mm-hmm. get boosted you know right like you know six months after you got the first two shots i think some institutions like i think yours right like you were you were essentially forced to get yeah i mean i didn't you know like try to take a stand or anything but they definitely required it like i would have had to be like like i don't know like quit or whatever uh i don't know like yeah i don't know of anyone who did try to do that but yeah i know people Uh, that almost i got three um mm-hmm. and i think i had to get another one too i think i had to get the bivalent one is that like the one that really is going to steal your soul well have uh, you heard like gonna, uh yeah uh, i wouldn't take that shit that's my personal <laughs> opinion um you, pr- you probably I only got, gotten two i've gotten three uh, three got, shots total um, i got peer pressured into taking the first two when it first came out mm-hmm. i was not completely sold on it but for personal reason to uh keep things chill in my personal life I went along with it (laughs) and um and so but but then by the time I think we had done our second COVID episode in the fall of 2021 Mm -hmm. and I think by the time of like Eco Health Alliance and all that shit and I think by the time we got into like the fall the holiday season in 2021 and the booster discourse was going out I was luckily in a position then where like I didn't uh I wasn't facing like you I wasn't faced like with, you know, severe penalties, like losing my job, you know, if I uh, didn't get boosted. So I ba- at that point, I was like, no. And, uh, you know, I was reading about myocarditis and shit and like mm-hmm. I was getting a little sussed out and just and also the, the protection, they were failing. <laughs> like they it was like yeah, literally everybody like I know that was like vaccinated. From what we were told, like this is the end of the virus. <laughs> To like, yeah, like, like it's work, like, like it's such bullshit, you know. and it's like this thing won't protect you. Why the fuck would you get it? it does, and the yeah. fact that they're forcing people to get it is so fucking sus and like sketchy. Yeah. And the language they're using, the things you'd see people say on Twitter, like I hope they die, I hope they all fucking die. Yeah, like anybody that doesn't get the vax. 
And, you know, families were ripped apart over this. People lose their job. I know people who almost got fired despite working from home completely because they didn't want to get vaccinated. And, like, mm-hmm. these fucking, you know, big companies that are all about, you know, a certain Silicon Valley industry, you know, type companies were so all about it and were, like, literally we're going to fire everybody that even if, like, what like what risk are you posing? Like, you're not even working in an office. Why? But this is just the thing to do, right? They were setting up those, like, bio-passport things where, like, you couldn't just buy, like, a fake, you know, card on the dark web. Like, they would have your actual, like, lot number, like, uploaded on an app, and you'd have to scan it every fucking week. Like, it's crazy that we don't talk about this. Like, just a year later, that we all kind of act like, oh, that... That didn't happen. Like, you know, well, but I feel like I feel did. like in some sectors, like I feel like, you know, you still have to kind of act like in some settings, you have to kind of act like everything like, you know, the, the vaccines worked or whatever. And like everyone who, you know, or you can't like be you can't go too far in like suggesting that like anyone who was like anti-vax was right. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think that oh, like the Alex Jones apocalypse occurred where like everyone dropped dead i mean we'll see i think i i'm getting pissed off now reading this like philadelphia inquirer article about the bivalent things i'm getting annoyed that i have to get this like it seems like it again like totally sucks and is pointless but <laughs> but they're forcing you like school um, colleges are forcing really yeah. the honestly like at this point the highest it's been risk a while population since I got any one of these shots but you know so i feel like it definitely like it's probably not working at all now depend based on like what i've seen about how like they degrade it was supposed to be like literally you get it once and like you never like may- i mean maybe they did say you had to get it once a year from the beginning but i don't know i almost feel like early no, 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 on they, they were they say, were bullish like, you know 100 protection yeah like permanently forever don't spread it yeah like spread it um yeah like you as cannot soon as get it, it as soon as it became yeah. clear that you still spread it the whole mandate thing should have been dropped like immediately because there's like literally no argument for it why like you can still spread it so like why the fuck like it should just be a personal choice then if you want to get it or not, because like, but it's like, then, then they came up with the, all these arguments, like you're overloading the healthcare system. Um, well, first of all, like the healthcare system fucking sucks in America. And like, that's not a problem you can't fix. Like stop acting like it's, it's like a natural law. It's like a law of nature that like hospitals can only hold X amount of people. I don't even think that was true. That was just like a scare tactic, but all the psychological like things they deployed and watching how many people got really gassed up on it. And I think it was even conflated with like, you're an evil Trump person who like stormed the Capitol if like you don't want to get this shot. Oh yeah, definitely. So like, I hate you. And it's like, that that wasn't the case. I know like left wing people, like it was not like one type of person that didn't want to get this shit. Like I could think of, you know, every gender race, like I could think of, there were people that were like, "Eh," for like a variety of reasons. And they're not all like, anti-vaxxers overall but i mean now we see that if it were judged like a regular vaccine it would be black boxed and taken off the market just straight up like from all the numbers i've seen like this would not be tolerated under like normal times of like oh yeah it gives like one in five thousand boys like myocarditis that would be like immediate ban like no that's too dangerous like you can't give you uh, to end a force that i just think mm, a lot of people showed their their asses, as it were, I think, uh, particularly on, like, the left. I, it was a bummer to see, but I guess it, it's good to know where people yeah, lie. Like, even of, like, if- people who are just like, get your fucking shots. Like, just shut the fuck up. Like, all these people are MAGA chuds. Like, you know, 
there's a lot of that going yeah. around and and nobody's like cop to it and been like wow we were full of shit like actually you know there yeah. is such I mean, there were people the, who you know, were full of shit on the other side too like there was definitely i guess that maybe does go but the thumb is on the scale of already calling those people out is completely insane so it's like i i want to give a little space to like y'all were acting a little crazy too no true absolutely absolutely and 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 they had a lot of institutional power behind it to the point that we've almost never seen of like you will lose your livelihood if you you will not be able to go into like most businesses and you will lose your livelihood and like the government's not going to like you know, it was even kind of saying, unless your employer's nice, like you won't even get unemployment. You are being shunned from society. <laughs> like, yeah, that's fucking since when, you know, America's done a lot of bad things, but that's a new one, I think. Uh, well, not unless you go back to the Cold War and like if you were a communist, that's what they, the American Security Council would keep a file on you. But like, that's the level of that was pretty, that's a pretty intense shit. So, I don't know if Thomas Pynchon got it. He might yeah. have. I mean, he's I was saying 90. like, he, yeah, he might have. He might have thought the other way, where he's like, "I'm so old, like, who, like, you know, why bother? <laughs> like, you know, why risk it? I don't know." But um, either it's a, like many things with Thomas Pynchon, yeah. it's a toss up. You just don't know. Okay. Well, but. Uh, yeah and i the thing i really don't like about it is that like you know you can't really verify for yourself because of course i eventually did get it as i think i said like in the midst of like one of our contra episodes like i had was still very recovering from covid uh even though i did the three boosters i still fucking got it of course and um most of the people i know who got it this year were boosted or double boosted. Yeah, I feel like everyone like, got no it that joke. summer, no matter what. Like, have you still? I, you know, you know who it? didn't You've get never it? Gotten it? Mm, I haven't gotten wow. it unless I You've got it like low key it. asymptomatic. I never took a wow. antibody thing or whatever. But no, I've never like come down with, and I've not been like, like I stopped wearing a mask like as soon as they lifted the requirement. You know, kind of thing. Like, I've I've not been living a scared like afraid of COVID life. I've yeah. been living a relatively. I. Although I did, I got COVID like on like a vacation that I went to, like which was stu- like you know I feel like was it worth? It? Well, I don't know. Whatever. I guess it was over in a couple of days, although it was miserable. But yeah, I still had to get it, and like you know, it's annoying that like because well, what I was gonna say was that it's annoying because it's like you're like it's annoying how little these vaccines work because I had to be sick those days too. And then, like, I still got COVID. And then it's like, well, you don't know. Like, if you got it without the vaccine, you would be dead. It's dark. like, all right. Shut maybe, the fuck but up. I, I can't prove that. It's just like, kind of like, all right. Well, but anyway, I think I, I'm going to be getting this bivalent thing. So, you know, I That's will let up. you guys know. When do if, you have to um, get that by? I die um, soon. I think I'm, I'm getting it soon. I don't know when I have to get it by, but I'm, I'm scheduled to get it soon. So I'll let you, well, you guys, I'm, I'll be the canary in the coal mine. I guess for, we're the, we're Probably we're none of our listeners point. are going out of their way to get this, just like by the nature of our audience. But I don't think so. I'll be the canary in the um, coal mine of, yeah. I guess we'll do an A-B testing. I'm, I'm out of the game, you know. I guess it's yeah. not true A-B because we don't have a full, you know, a, a pure blood. It's not controlled, uh, yeah. A pure blood. <laughs> That's, but I, at this point, I hope it at least sucks enough that all of the evil spike protein has been like washed out of my system at this point from the first two oh, and okay. like it's yeah. not like lurking like gonna give me like yeah. a fucking weird heart attack like all these celebrities are getting at like age 40 like that's a little sus that doesn't mm-hmm. excess mortalities up like 25 percent. like mm, like uh what the fuck you know and you're giving it to all the teenagers what like that they're the highest risk of having like a heart attack or a stroke from it 
like, mm-hmm. and they have like an infinitesimal risk of dying from COVID. So it's like, literally, why? Why are you? They're jabbing the kids, folks. Like, why are you jabbing the kids? Like, it's and like not. I guess it's like the the eighteen to twenty two year olds in college. They're the only ones who are being straight up required. Yeah, at like most colleges. I don't to know. Do I it. can't. I can't assess. Like you know, but I. I mean, we've seen how it's panned out in terms of like, you know, uh, the recommendations that have been made have not been based on like uh, adequate uh, information or whatever. So I'm not going to say it's like the, yeah. you know, the wrong decision to jab the kids, but I'm not, I'm also not going well, to say. Well, to force them, to yeah, force them. I guess, yeah. To force I mean, them. you want to go get Someone's it? Gonna no, okay, whatever. Yeah, I guess to force the parents uh, yeah, the kids. Stop forcing the kids, et cetera. Um, um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, it's actually a good segue to the next question, um, which is also about serious medicine. This one I feel like maybe is like <clears throat> worth bracketing a little bit because mm-hmm. it's actually quite a rich topic. I was just looking at like doing a little bit of an overview, but it like might be something worth circling back to one day. Uh, but we can give I'll, a little we can give I'll a little overview. It asks Puffin uh, on yeah. 14th, uh, October 14th, 2021 asks, are the Sacklers Satanists, like, besides definitely being evil old money? So he's asking specifically if they're Satanists, right? Yeah. I don't know. Is there, did you find anything to suggest that they're, like, at, you know... I mean, I think that, yeah, like, the type of, like, insofar as, like, they are evil, as this person said. Like, in that respect, like, you know, uh, Satan as, like, the icon of evil. Like, maybe you could say... But, yeah, I, like, do they have a Satanic religion? Do they follow a Satanic religion? I don't know. Uh, well... Like... I think, um, <laughs> I mean, they are accused of being Illuminati. Of course, um, yes. I, um, I'm just looking over here a right. little bit. They definitely are satanic in like a lowercase s kind yes, of way, exactly. I would say. Yeah. Which is, um, I think, commonly in the in the counter discourse to SJ, you know, uh, we are literally saying that everyone who's sus is actually an agent of the CIA. And anytime we call someone a Satanist, <laughs> There were actually like, yeah, we're saying that they're in the CIA and also they are actual literal worshipers of the devil, which almost yeah, no yeah, one literal. is like not even no, Michael Aquino, no. who is like a cartoon, like devil worship. <laughs> Satanist, Satanist yeah. is actually a worshiper of the devil. Like he does not like conceive him. He did per not se. conceive himself that way. And if he is yeah. still uh, in some sort of astral form, he does not. Um, he yeah, he like is a it's a he heppers uh his his self becomes uh the godhead of, of set. So yeah. yeah, like I I don't know, like it's extremely rare to be an actual devil worshiper. It's a very, very marginal phenomenon. Like But uh, as uh but you know, I mean well usually it's like some okay. kind of like self worship, you know, <sighs> Yes, exactly. Thing. I think that's ultimately kind of our stance most of the time when we talk about something being satanic, is that like Satan is uh, like as a, I don't know, as a construct, um, as like an idea, you know, as, as an archetype is like the Prince of Lies who wears a thousand faces and comes in many different forms, often to sort of deceive and trick people into serving, yes. uh, you know, quote unquote, his ends. But often that takes the that 
like the way I <laughs> kind of look at it is like that often means the worship of the self, like the pathological worship of the self. Well, yeah, intellectually and striving speaking, for power or like self godhood or something. Yeah, I mean, like in turn, like that's there's always been that association, both in like uh, anti like discourses like about you know the devil from like within like religious traditions that like hold the devil to be like evil, and that's also like adopted by like a kind of religious or philosophical tradition that like you know valorizes the devil or takes the devil as a model there's always an association with like the desires of like the the lower self or like you know maybe it's framed as being like the highest thing is to like be selfish it's like you know that's like kind of how you get the sort of uh randian uh aspect yeah. of levay and satanism which people mm-hmm. have always pointed out but you know so like yeah but in terms of like lowercase satanism like definitely you know it's kind of like the again the aquino thing of like there's never been a satanic crime but from another point of view like or there's never been a satanic murder from like a you know this point of view like all murders like insofar as they're wrongful killing like are satanic yes. because like yeah, they're yeah. Evil, you know exactly they're yeah uh, like yeah mur- so there's like satan got a spectrum yeah, like, of different hold on you yeah there's a spectrum of different senses of satanism like and the real the idea like that, like, you know, all these people are like a, a Rosemary's baby type of stuff where these people like are getting in rooms and they're like, hail Satan. Hail you know, Satan. Yeah. that is extremely marginal, like not even like most satanic groups are like that. Now, like the fucking satanic temple, like, you know, they fucking suck. They're evil. They're Satanists like they, you know, uh, are, but they're on the spectrum. They're not even all the way to the point of like, you know, truly worshiping the devil. They are like crypto fascist libertarians. Like- uh, crypto fascist like, like, like process streak. church stands yeah. um, um who who also are like the process church themselves kind of i would describe them as like lowercase s satanic and like maybe even capital s but technically they worship i think like a, god jesus and jehovah yeah. like they they worship both god and the devil like equally and right but yeah. and have this weird like dark dialectical like thing going on where like by heightening the contradictions of like the holy and the unholy, you'll like immunitize the eschaton or whatever the yeah, fuck. Yeah, it's not a binary. Like the best you could do would be to come up with multiple binaries, like and say like, oh well, they're theistic Satanists insofar as like they worship the devil, but often they have like a different concept of the devil, where like very few people are like like you know willingly are going to like or consciously are going to be like I sign my soul away to the devil so that I can like be tormented forever in hell. Like, no one, like, you yeah. know, everyone always thinks that they're getting something out of it. <laughs> you know, everyone always thinks that they can, like, one-up the devil or that, like, you know, it's a metaphor. It's different this time. Or, like, you know, the devil, like, you know, uh, we've been, we haven't been told the truth about what the devil is. Like, you know, signing my soul away, the devil's actually good. And, yeah. like, he's got a shot. It's just a silly know? summer camp frat ritual that we do yeah. at Bohemian Grove. Like, when they had me play act that I was signing my soul to Satan, like, it was just a play, you know? But it's yeah. like... Mm. You know, I mean, could these things have a kind of a pernicious psychological influence on you or, you know, regardless <laughs> of like whether we believe in the the pitchfork man, like dancing around in the fourth dimension, uh, whispering in our ears, it kind of captures a phenomenon of like human existence, I feel like, that the propensity to do bad things, to choose the bad thing is uh, something that everybody, every human being has to struggle with. 
And uh, yes. And I mean, the, what you talk about, like the whispering, like that's an attribute of Satan, like because of that aspect, like because the whole idea of Satan whispering in the hearts of mankind, that's exactly the phenomenon that you describe, like the temptation, like the, the you know, the, the urges of like the lower self, uh, concupiscence, maybe you could call it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, like that, Satan have that is, like, associated spades. with that. There's like an abstract and yeah, yeah. They, exactly. So my point is that like, yeah, like, and even what the groups that we mentioned, like process church, they're like on a different end of the spectrum from like of Satanism. You, you call the secular Satanists, but they're Satanists in the sense of like, they worship like uh, satanic values or they uphold satanic yeah. values like greed and, uh, you know, perfidy, uh, et cetera on an almost metaphysical, like not as a kind of, well, that's the easiest way to get what I want, but like, this is like a high metaphysical philosophical good, you know, yeah. or something. Even like, if, yeah, like, or even if it is like the easiest way to get you, you want, like, f- like if that's like, you know, bad, then you're not supposed to do the easiest thing, you know, like, well, but, exactly. That's still evil. Yeah. It's still evil. Uh, um, I guess that's, a, you know, that's uh, moralistic to say that it's good to do certain things and bad to do others because we're all in an existential void and we make our <laughs> own meaning. Yeah. That, um, so, all right. Epistemological thing. Um, just real quick about the Sacklers, though, because that might be a thing to circle back on because they they do have, I mean, I think we all know the basics about the Sackler family. You know, Purdue Pharmaceuticals and OxyContin, their role in the... There's been a lot of, like, projects lately. That seems to be a thing, like, liberal Hollywood, like, this is one they can really sink their teeth into, is uh, the greed of the Sackler family. So you have Crime of the Century on HBO. You have a Hulu miniseries called Dope Sick, Empire of Pain by Patrick Radden Keefe. So uh, almost like the wave of stuff we got about like Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes. We're like mm-hmm. now getting a bunch of Sackler things. And it's got some juicy Rip things. I mean, you have, a, you have a uh, family business of, you know, very succession style of uh, that becomes very powerful and wealthy and spreads their philanthropy everywhere. But then, of course, like they're behind every great fortune lies a crime. And I guess their crime is being... Let's see. They have been described as the most evil family in America, drug dealers, and the worst drug dealers in history. Now, I mean, this is interesting right off the bat because it's like the one case where the mainstream will acknowledge that like a ruling class bourgeois billionaire family is like involved in quote unquote drug trafficking kind of. But it's like through this way of like. They, like I, I had something rubs me the wrong way about the way the the Sackler story and the little I've seen of it, uh, kind of gets covered. Where, again, it's kind of like it's like the maw of capitalism mixed with the very indiv- like the the indifferent uh, maw of capitalism mixed with the personal sicko greed of this one family, like conspired completely to manufacture this opioid crisis. And co-opt like a bazillion doctors and, and shit along the way. But I don't know. I think with the Sacklers, it is interesting to note that they are, they're actually not really old money. They're a little bit like the Pritzkers. They kind of came up around the same time or a little bit after. And like the Pritzkers, they're actually, uh, they're Eastern European Jews or the the children of Jewish immigrants from Poland and Ukraine respectively. So the three brothers that founded it were Arthur Mortimer and Raymond Sackler. Now, the interesting thing about them, I'm sure some of these like projects get into it somewhat, but it really jumped out at me. It's like they were all 
psychiatrists. They all went to medical school and worked at the Creedmoor Psychiatric Center in Queens and were pioneers in a lot of like medical therapies in like the 1940s and early 50s, including, I mean, there's some crazy shit in here that sounds like what we've talked about before. There was, God, there was some weird shit in World War II, particularly with Arthur Sackler, that um, like he was involved in kind of like the development of shit like insulin shock therapy type stuff. And also the thing he's like kind of most known for, Arthur in particular, is in revolutionizing medical, like pharmaceutical advertising, Mm -hmm. which obviously is still with us today. But I guess he pioneered the practice of direct marketing drugs to physicians and like doing like like massive mail order advertising, like sending around to doctors around the country. And actually he helped Pfizer, who became one of his advertising clients in the 50s. They were actually a chemical manufacturer before this and just started getting into prescription drugs. And so with Arthur Sackler's help, he started marketing all these Pfizer drugs to doctors and like that became basically the dominant like part of their business after like I think just 6 years or between 1950 and 1957 Pfizer went from 8 salesmen to 2000. So they became really and so this I guess had a really huge impact on the medical industry in America and you know from there they made a shitload of money they started buying up a ton of art. They got their names put on everything, all these museums and shit. And yeah, but like their psychology background, their common psychology background feels a little, I don't know, interesting and like spooky. I'm trying to see what they did during World War II because it was kind of... um During the Korean War, Mortimer Sackler was an army psychiatrist in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> Mm-hmm. during the Korean War. And the three brothers became a moving force in the research and clinical outpatient department at Creedmoor, which would become the Creedmoor Institute for Psychobiologic Studies. According to The Independent, during the 50s, the brothers undertook pioneering research into how alterations in bodily function can affect mental illness. This work contributed to a move away from treatments such as electroshock therapy and lobotomy towards pharmaceutical treatment. Wow. So, I mean... I yeah. mean, obviously, we've talked a lot about like electroshock and like lobotomies and like some of our cybernetics people were uh, very yeah, in, into pioneering all that shit. into the post-Nuremberg code. Uh, yes. Like a uh, vacuum. Like uh, we're like, hey, like look at all these pills. And that's where, you know, I mean, because th- that, that was a big shift in medicine. And now today you look at how many pills. I don't know what other pills Purdue like pioneered or manufactured, but my God, Americans are on a shitload of pills today, aren't they? And um, OxyContin, I guess, which came out in 1996. I mean, shit, yeah, like... Like, I think a lot of it is about how, like, they promoted it as non-addictive and totally safe and based. But they also, I think they kind of, like, bribed or incentivized tons of doctors to just, like, massively prescribe it to their patients, Mm. which then fueled. It's so weird Mm. because, like, I I remember. I wonder if there's any situation in which this pattern might be repeating itself, perhaps involving the son of a certain documentary filmmaker who came up earlier. Oh, there's nothing um, bad about it. Like, yeah, take psychedelics it's completely safe. Every day. It's a miracle. It's going to solve <laughs> everything. It's going to help our world. Everyone's going to become better. 
the latest claim is that it's like it's just going to create people it's going to make people who take psychedelics more liberal and more concerned about the environment so like you should just give it to everybody <laughs> yes, and then like climate change will solve change. it so. yeah brilliant beautiful excellent um, yeah yeah ignore the peer-reviewed paper that says that like it actually creates like fertile recruits for like authoritarian movements um, um and, and like, cults. Uh, more alarming than that is like how like those exact techniques are like being used like within like the fucking psychedelic therapy community like the exact people who are like doing this like they're using like these mucked up like cult tactics and there's no oversight or like any kind mm-hmm. of like regulation around it. Like, did you? We need to do like a, a like a, a dedicated like sus psychedelic episode soon. Like, did you watch that MDMA trial video of that woman? No. Uh, no I think I might have actually put it in the work flowy. I think I made a tab called like sus psychedelic. Wow. Now it's like kind of hard to find. It was very easy for me to find originally. Oh, here it is. Now. Maps. Yeah, under maps. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, there's a horrifying video of MDMA drug trial. Yeah, I think so. Megan thought psychedelic therapy could help her PTSD. Instead, it was the start of a nightmare. No. Yeah. Oh my God. And basically, like, the couple that was, like, assigned to her is very disturbing. Okay, I'm playing it right now. Warning. This video contains content that may disturb some viewers. Okay. It's amazing that, like, this doesn't come up if you search, like, MDMA drug trial to me. I feel like maybe it should have been a bigger story. Maybe not. I don't know. But all I'm getting is like, you know, participate in the MAPS trial. <laughs> like, <laughs> when, like, this kind of fucking shit, like, goes on. Yeah, it's really creepy. Like, this weird, like, sus couple is, like, groping her. And they're like, spread your legs, spread your legs. Oh, my, what the fuck? He's like, yeah, the the man is, like, clutching onto her. Yeah, or, like, they're lying like, they're on top of her. her. Like, but she can't fucking, like, say no because she's, like, fucking off on MDMA. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going to cure her PTSD. Well, I guess... doesn't did, want you to see it. She hasn't watched the videos. This is in Canada. So what did she say about it after? Uh, I understand in that seven-hour seven session, now that I was gagged and pinned down and that I screamed and fought nonstop to the point where I tried to concuss myself to get out of that situation... She was told by the therapy, which is part of a phase two clinical trial by the American Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, MAPS, could cure her. Um, When I was in the clinical trial, it was just this, like being told repeatedly that we were groundbreaking. We were making all these changes and this was going to be the next cure, the next thing for trauma, PTSD, Ms. Boisson says. I hope I'm saying that right, but she now wants to warn others about what happened to her. To posit complex emotion as something that can simply be excised by a pill, a drug like MDMA, that may have healing properties, but it can also be intensely traumatic, she says. It can actually make things worse. Eh, Sound familiar. Um, hmm. Reminds me of something. But no, yeah. I'm sure it's fine. Hamilton said it was okay and he's cool and no one wants, we wouldn't want to slander him by saying that he's sus for working for like a pharmaceutical company and uh, using his like uh, base reputation to launder. Uh, well, these, hey, it's all like, the same, right? Just tr- trust the shots, trust yeah. the microdose, <laughs> trust everything that Pfizer and Purdue and MAPS recommend to you. They're all serious scientists. Yeah, so true, they serious. can't be wrong. He studied chemistry. He's an expert. You're not. You know, so, yeah, it's like, but it is true. It's like all the skepticism around, like, the American healthcare industry has really, like, melted away over the last few years. Like, we've gone from Medicare for all. I know I've said it before, but, yeah, we've gone from, like, Medicare for all to, like, literally trust the science to the point of, like, 
do questionable psychedelic therapy in like a weird cult setting, <laughs> like take a million booster shots that don't work. Like it it's just like trust a anything a doctor says. Psyop like on various levels, like involving like wish fulfillment, like, you know, cultural conditioning and like influence operations. And then, yeah, like also just general, like, yeah, like tr almost trauma-based mind control, really, of like the entire population. Well, when you look, it's like, yeah, who was the vanguard of MK Ultra was like doctors. So it's like, I'm sorry if I really don't trust, like, but it's like doctors and the pharmaceutical industry. Like, yeah. probably not saying every doctor is sus, obviously, but it's like when you get into kind of an industry mode with this, where especially when they gang up and like they try to cancel any other doctor who like, disagree with them like hamilton uh like blocking all of the scientists that wrote like peer-reviewed articles about <laughs> how like in their psychedelic trials like they were all like, you know, like susceptibility to authoritarianism is increased you just like yeah like block them all and no, like mock them in his presentation like, uh, what's her one yeah, yeah. lily k ross i want to say i haven't like listened to the whole series she did about it but it seems interesting like that guy again we should do like an episode because i feel like there's much more to like discover but roquette salvador roquette who like you mm -hmm. know is one of the big pioneers of like all this stuff i think it was yeah salvador roquette like the first thing that comes up is like this laudatory article meanwhile he was like someone who believed in like giving people bad trips on purpose so they could like work through their pain or whatever like oh my um God. But yeah, like, I uh, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's almost like it's almost like they create the conditions like and the problems, like uh, whether it's like trauma or like the climate problems and like the institutional problems that emerge from that. And then they're like, we're going to fix like we have a pill to fix it. You know, like they're trying to literally make like Soma. No, I've heard they Yeah, they are. Like they're literally trying, like like somebody is trying to develop a drug that has like some of the effects of LSD without like the audiovisual hallucinatory aspect <laughs> to like just make people like serene and stuff. Like literally, they're trying to do that because I don't know what else. Like that's I'm really looking. Uh, there's no forward better play to, like, than that being for them. called a pathetic loser for like questioning it uh, <laughs> and like you think everything. CIA, I used to do shrooms with a mainline Sackler kid, Sackler, and they're yeah. totally cool. <laughs> yeah, why won't you take your Sackler MDMA? Like, relax, man. Oh, everything's a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, what? Oh, okay. Take your so, Sackler PCP right now, or else you lose your job. Yeah, um, just because, like, you know, they completely wanted a reputation through, like, a sophisticated, like, marketing scheme that, like, they pioneered in the pharmaceutical industry and then, like, shilled a bunch of like drugs got like caused a horrible opioid epidemic that like uh, had tons of casualties like a devastating effect on like the country on like various uh, axes uh, mm -hmm. like so what everything's a conspiracy uh, so what they're in the CIA <laughs> uh, they're Satanists <laughs> Uh, yes, 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 no, just, like, but... No, the answer uh, is, like, no, they are who the CIA works for, these types of people, and yes, they are families, because that's how they cohere, yeah, they're, you know, that's exactly, what we talk yeah, about, dynasties. They're coordinating. Not everybody's family, but when you get to the billion level, it becomes, like, political, you know, by nature, you know, there is a fortune to defend and grow, and uh, that can get pretty lowercase and maybe uppercase sometimes satanic, so... Yeah, yes. uh, very sus, like worth uh, circling back on them again one day because I'll watch some of those like mainstreamy things about them. Hopefully they're not too boring. 
And uh, if I find any evidence that one of them, hmm, you know, is a Satanist. Um, <laughs> yeah, if we find some of them anything about the media, sacrifice though, worshiping the devil, we will find out. Um, that It is funny. One of the current generation, Madeline Sackler, is a, an Emmy Award winning uh, filmmaker. See, they all end up in Hollywood. Like the third gen, fourth gens all end up in Hollywood eventually as, you know, influencers or whatever. Wow. Uh, she made an extremely totally not sus uh, sounding documentary called Dangerous Acts Starring the Unstable Elements of Belarus in 2013. Which, of course, is like a film about the experiences of the illicit Belarus free theater during the political revolution of independence. And the the film's footage had to be smuggled out of Belarus. <laughs> you know, okay, I see. I see what's going on here. Just like Abigail Disney, sending them around making sus documentaries in Eastern Europe and like woman life freedom, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> right, uh-huh. This is so, oh my God, I can't. I, I fucking can't. Yeah, tell us more about how evil Belarus is, Sackler. Come on in, my weary friend. The welcome here is endless. These fears of yours, like painted whores, they will not stay the night. All your life you've done what's right Don't say you felt obliged Come along, is your timid tongue Too shy to tell your story This pain in you so far removed Anything you've known So I won't condone Another moan Not when everything Is fine So when a drought Learn to dance And pray the dead Return Dream of smoke Without fire Just come see me Again When it burns That's what brings me to your doorstep 
I guess I'll, like I'll, I'll read it. I sure. Think. Yeah, yeah, I guess this is the order we're doing. This is from Conspirator on October 14th, 2021. And they ask, love the convo between Khalid and Jimmy on program to chill. And I want to know if humans are of earth and Jinn are from fire, is there a type of being associated with water or wind? Hmm. Uh, I think it's like, well, I think short answer, like, no, not that I know of. But in I, Islam or in general? In I mean, in Islam. I mean, like, Islam, well, you know, like the whole idea that human beings are made from clay and that jinn are made from fire, you know, like, uh, yeah. I don't think that the current scientific consensus is that, like, human beings are, like, made from earth, per se, uh, that were, was collected by, like, you know, the angels and then uh, God formed into a shape that he breathed his spirit into. But well, I think it's like a little bit complicated because I feel like there's uh, I'm only vaguely remembering like the sort of like philosophy doctrine on this because the four elements theory, which I feel like is being kind of invoked, is like distinct from the Quranic principle of uh, jinn being made from fire and hu- and men being or humans being made from earth like that is like in the Quran, but it's not a reference uh, at least not like in any explicit way to the theory of the four elements that's like being invoked, uh, in the question. So that's like a little bit different. Like angels are made from light, I believe, like in conventional, like Mm -hmm. Islamic theology. So there's a distinction between light and fire and earth. And that's like something that is, is often said, but in terms of the four elements, there actually has been some engagement uh, with that idea in Islamic intellectual history, which did obviously, as is well known, have like uh, explore considerably like uh, 
uh, Aristotelian and uh, Greek generally theories about the natural sciences. And I think that that was actually a way that they used to kind of like uh, reconcile Jin into this framework. Now, I mean, you know, some of the people who were like really into uh, Greek philosophy, I mean, I don't, I don't want to slander them, but like maybe uh, they might have had a little bit of a skepticism about the idea of jinn uh but you know so that might have been a way for them to reconcile it to that paradigm is calling them sort of creatures of fire um okay. to kind of like integrate them with this uh with this system but i mean i don't want to like uh, uh knock too hard in the philosophy although you know i'm, I'm more of uh, uh on the the mutakalamine when it comes down to it uh the calamists or the um you know theologians um you know Fair. insofar i think that like these groups are less discreet then is often, you know, it, it, like in popular historiography, they are thought to be. But it is here or there. Uh, to answer the question, I think that like in the philosopher framework, there was actually considered to be like, you know, water involved in human beings as like it is in a contemporary scientific consensus as well, because there's like uh, this whole thing of like hot and dry and then like cold and dry and then like cold and wet and hot and wet. And so I think like air would be like hot and wet and fire would be hot and dry. And there was like that kind of crossover. And that, that I think we mentioned on the show before, maybe very briefly about how that was like the explanation for like holomorphous or uh, philosophy generally. Um, and I think this, uh, you know, this does have some Greek origin, if I'm not mistaken. I may be, but um, definitely uh, Islamic uh, philosophers would s say that uh, the reason why like the earth fall like you know human beings are tied to the earth is or like is not because of gravity but because like earth calls to earth and like there's an or an inherent downward tendency to earth uh whereas like there's an huh, upward tendency to fire which huh. tends to rise up wow. and away from like the center of the universe which is like i guess you know under the earth so yeah um wow. it, you know but that's, that's why we concept. don't listen to these platonic philosophers you know or these are <laughs> you know they weren't right about a lot so. of things. although wow. you know when these sort of polemical historiographies they're not super popular anymore so it's but or a lot, for a long time and you still do hear to some extent like islam turned away from science like they closed the door on the great beautiful greeks and like their amazing western ideas like and they like embraced the horrible darkness of like religion and like al-ghazali is a terrorist and things like that like but, like, th what these, like, you know, these great, wise, like, you know, Greek-influenced philosophers were saying was that the center of the er universe is, like, under the Earth, and, uh, like, you know, we're falling down towards it because Earth is downward and, like, fire is upward. So it's not really, like, you know... Yeah. In fact, like, you could say, like, you know, the atomism of uh, Ibn al-Arabi or people like that... I mean, we talked about this on the show before, like, even in our Physics and Cybernetics episodes. Their theories are, like, you know, uh, even though there's definitely key points of difference. Like they're much more compatible with like modern scientific ideas than some of the ones that these people were spinning around. But I guess to answer the question, like I, not that I've heard of, maybe someone has said something like that. I'd be interested if they did, but I think it would have to be like a uh, post facto thing where you might hear some people who subscribe to the four elements theory, uh, then reconciling Jin to that paradigm by saying that they were creatures associated with the element of fire. But the four elements thing isn't necessarily implied in the Quranic idea of gotcha. the, like, you know, sh uh, Shaitan or Iblis says like I'm made from smokeless fire 
right? And you made him from Earth, so there's that. What's up? What's this guy is created like from s- dirt, you know, right? Yeah. So that's <laughs> yeah. <right>. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's from dirt. Yeah. Yeah. What? By the way, what's the deal with like the fire being smokeless? What's up with that? I think that's a big question. I don't know. It just is. It's smokeless. Like, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think like, of like types of fire that like don't produce like. Smoke. I remember people in the grotto like saying that it's like, you know, it must be plasma or something. I mean, obviously it's some kind of like subtle element that. Yeah. But I like, you know, I remember people saying like they're plasmatic beings or something uh, like someone had suggested. So. Okay. So maybe this is this is like an attempt to describe this is like plasma. You yeah, know. you know, it's one of those so maybe like even fire things. is like you shouldn't read even in, in too much into like the word fire per se because like the fact that it's smokeless fire sounds like more like trying to describe something in a way that people in the sixth century could like kind of wrap their heads around it or visualize it there would be no other vocabulary for yeah i mean this is like if it one was of the plasma right like <laughs> right yeah well, this is like one of the great exegetical debates or uh tafsir debates like in you know the intellectual history of islam you know obviously there would be kind of like a a bila kaif uh position you know which is very famous where it's like we affirm without asking how like we don't try to rationalize like they're you know, I think everyone believes in that to some extent, but there's like it depends on like where the Quran says that some verses are majaz, like are allegorical, you know, where some are, uh, okay. you know, just straight up. Uh, but there's a so debate like, over trust, like, what's trust Q, like trust the Quran. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's I, a don't trust. Mean, I don't mean to be sacrilegious, but mm, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a nebulous uh, association. I mean, I'm looking at well, uh, the Quran. Did, did right the Q now. followers not look at his posts like, you know, Suras. <laughs> they I mean like they do, hadiths, yeah. You know? I mean there's there's definitely yeah. I like guess our, now it's the Hadith. Ever since Q like sort of died, like now it's like <laughs> the Hadith from his account on Aitkun. You know. Mm-hmm. He well, did the, post again the other day, but it was very lame. Yeah, I mean I guess like the I mean, it's not really the same relationship because the Hadith corpus <laughs> is what like gives context to the Quran. So it would be almost like if Q like would give those posts and then so the Hadith is like when Q says like but they kind of, yeah, the Hadith, yeah, the hadith is, like when, is like praying medic and like Sean Stone and like Steve Finn. Well, those are like, like the Sahaba like, who are like, those okay. are like the companions who would be like say, remembering things Q said that might have been like deleted or something, you know. And Q, <laughs> I'm like, just imagining like in the desert, like 50 years from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, um, uh, like uh, August, like these like yeah. 4chan shit posters were like, I was there, like, yeah. I, you know, like the apostles or something. Yeah. Exactly, like praying medic, like transmitted from like Ron Watkins, like who transmitted <laughs> from Q. Uh, the yeah. gospel of Q, according to praying medic. Um. <laughs> yeah, so it's so exactly like they those would be like the companions who like were there at the beginning and like witnessed things like Q said that like others may have like forgotten. Uh, but you know, okay. as we know, like it's definitely a fact. Some hadith get fabricated. There's a whole science of uh, hadith verification. So, like sometimes praying medic might make something up. You know, you gotta like make sure that you affirm the transition. And like, there's also like the whole ilm irajal, uh, like you know, trying to figure out like what type of people you can trust transmissions from. So like, if praying medic <laughs> is known to be <laughs> sus in some way, then like you know, you might discount his transmissions. So this is where like schisms come in, you know, like so yeah. like negative 48 is your reliable transmitter. Like some may say yes. Like or is he on some gospel of Thomas shit that right, needs to be suppressed? Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but yes. But in terms of the, uh, the Hadith, because the Hadith are prophetic utterances, and there's no real distinction between what Q is saying, although maybe Q is getting his drops from, like, you know, the larger organization of White Hats or from Trump, right? <laughs> so, like, Trump really is in, like, in this framework, is, which is, is horrible prophet. and evil, and, like, I repudiated. <laughs> He's, like, in the position of, like... Uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which of course Allah <laughs> is exalted above like any such comparison in actuality this is a depraved like belief of like the people of ultimate kufr but yeah like so Q is like the meat and then like when Q comments on the drops when he's like all will be revealed like that would be like a hadith of, of Q you know like and the drops give us some indication of like what Trump is like thinking and, like what's going on you know in the situation room or whatever anyway uh, hopefully that's a helpful analogy for you, but um, no, that cleared things up. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking up what uh, this is interesting. I've never like uh, yeah. So it's uh, I'm looking up the smokeless, the term for smokeless that's used because I've never actually gone into this. Okay. Yeah, so I think that this word actually uh, is the same thing. Like, if you ever heard of like a simoon or a simoom, like a, a hot wind. I think that, like, you know, a dry, dust-laden wind blowing in the desert. Hmm. Um, if you look I up a samoom. Have you ever heard of a samoom? Uh, like, not like a haboob. A haboob, I guess, is a different thing. Um, I know, I know. But no, yeah, but, a hot wind in the desert? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it seems like uh, that is, like, where the whole... Like, that word is the one that's being used where I see smokeless. I'm, again, I'm just looking using Quran.com because I'm not a hafiz. But, you know, inshallah, one day. That's really what I should be spending my time on, but... Yeah, as for the gym, we created them earlier from smokeless fire, minar al samum. So it's like fire of the samum. So yeah, that's yeah, a pretty esoteric. I'd have to look at like some tefs here for like what it says. But there's you know other places when the jinner, including in that famous part where uh, Iblis says like I am better than him. You created me from fire and him from earth. Like the issue of like smokelessness. Yeah, this guy's created from dirt. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. The, this guy's the famous verse of this guy's created from dirt. Is yeah, the smokeless aspect isn't mentioned uh, there. Mm-hmm. So okay, well, but that, that I guess is the derivation a... of the idea. Yeah. Do you want to move on to the next one here? Yeah, I'm still. You know, one. I'm going through Lane's lexicon. I might. Um, I'm going to see if I can find some other. Some other stuff, but uh, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> Let's, uh, you know, uh, okay. this is a, got, a, a got... prospect uh, for future thought. Um, mm-hmm. So Young Howler asks, who is Larry Salona? This MF was the first part of the Epstein case that I remember really, truly breaking my brain. And I have yet to encounter any really satisfying discourse around him and the incredibly sus shadow that he casts. Yeah, I mean, I remember, like, you know, that emerging out of uh the epstein thing i remember like that well can we tell people what is the larry salona thing because i had forgotten about it but yeah. i reacquainted myself it is uh, a little spooky i guess mm-hmm. right yes it is what what was your recollection of it uh, i'm trying to refresh my memory on it now yeah he was the first person to what Hmm. Now I'm like seeing some even more interesting things. Uh, I remember him like uh, reporting on it, right? And then he like there was something like incredibly sus going on with him that was related to the royal family. Although now I'm seeing some fucking 
other weird shit. Yeah, here, um, it, here. I think this is. I found on a Reddit thread about oh, it that um, oh. is kind of entertaining, and uh, an account named the Astral Terrestrial. I think gave a good overview okay. of why people got obsessed with this. This is interesting. So they say, I'll give it a go. Oh yeah. This. Essentially, all right, there's this. Is like not. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, all right. Like, is this tenuous? Okay, but anyway, sorry. Continue. But it was. Well, yeah. There's this reporter named Larry Salona who works for the New York Post and seems to put out a lot of articles about deaths and suicides, most notably Epstein, Stanley Kubrick, and JFK Jr. He was the first source of Epstein's body picture and death announcement, the first tip that JFK Jr.'s plane had gone down, and wrote that Kubrick was, quote, happy before his sudden death. But there are barely any photos of this guy, potentially two from the article in the SS. I'm not sure what the SS is. But, however, in Kubrick's movie, Eyes Wide Shut, there is a reporter named Larry Salona who has to cover up a girl's murder by putting out an article saying she was happy and normal before her sudden death. Sound familiar? Eyes Wide Shut was about the Illuminati, and many think Kubrick was killed for it. Larry Salona is the guy who first reported Kubrick's death in real life. It has to be a fake author, or at the very least, an extremely connected one edit forgot to add his name is an anagram for royal lancers which are a special military unit of which prince (laughs) andrew is the colonel in chief no maybe they're the ones who have been committing all these quote suicides and sudden deaths edit two the royal lancers that had andrew as the colonel in chief merged with another regiment in 2015 to form the current queen elizabeth well rip's own royal lancers whose colonel in chief is the queen herself That's a real thing. Yeah. The Royal Lancers. Like, yeah. So people are kind of, I remember seeing this picture of like a close up and eyes wide shut. And I believe that's true. Like when they do the insert, when Tom Cruise looks at the newspaper, the model who is like at that party and got sacrificed, I think it said like the author of the article is Larry, what is it? Salona. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Larry Salona. Mm hmm. So what the fuck is going on? I mean, at that point, Larry Salona, I guess, was a name that was, well, actually, I don't know. I feel like did Eyes Wide Shut come out the same summer that JFK Jr. died? Um, it, they came out, they died around the same time. Like, it might have been a year before when JFK died, um, JFK Jr. died. Okay, somebody says here, hmm, interesting. Okay, there, there is an edit here. AJ Hiddell says in this thread that I found articles from him as far back as 1984. He's also quoted in a 1980 article in the New York Times as a former ghostwriter of college term papers. He was president of the New York Press Club from 1989 to 1990, so it's not a pseudonym. He appears as himself in three episodes of the true crime series The Perfect Murder. I guess if you have Investigation Discovery, he puts the links there. Ring of Fire, Horror in Harlem, and Driving with the Devil... So I guess he's in it. So he says, basically, your theory of it not being a real person is wrong. It doesn't matter what his name anagrams to because it's his real name. And uh, I guess somebody had said that he was on Epstein's flight logs, but the name is Selena Dubin, who I think the Dubins were like a weird family that was connected to Epstein. So, okay. So they're they're debunking and... Uh, yeah, I mean, huh. the whole, like, anagram thing is, like, kind of, like... I remember, like... Maybe I'm thinking of a different a Larry. Herring. 
I, I like, but yeah, I remember something more compelling about this. Maybe it was the eyes wide shut connection because I do, I feel like I know what uh, he's talking about where the name does linger in my mind, but now like, I'm like, it's kind of like a, the killer left a signature type of thing of like, I mean, but I mean, yeah. maybe like, you know, I'm not like ruling They're out the Royal Lancer sports. connection, um, but yeah, uh, that, that is an interesting, sure. Yeah. Uh, that's like intriguing, yeah. but at the same time, what about just, hey, this guy, this guy was name checked, like shouted out in Eyes Wide Shut. And I guess, I mean, they make it sound like it's just a name that pops up whenever there's like a famous sus celebrity death or suicide. Yeah. But it sounds like he's maybe, I mean, it could also be like a pen name. It could be like not a real name. You know what I mean? Like, this guy could have a different name. It doesn't mean that like the person is like a complete fiction. There could be a guy who walks around who calls himself Larry Salona, but maybe his birth name was not Larry Salona. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I mean, but also, I mean, it might seem a little bit less bizarre if there's like a lot of, I have his New York post, like there's a author page of him that I found. And I mean, he's got a lot of articles. Yeah with his name under it. Like just in the last, the beginning of November, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, uh, articles <laughs> published since November 1st in the last 10 days, which oh, is almost man. like that's, that's almost bizarre. <laughs> like this is a funny, like this guy's pumping out two articles per day. This is a funny article from Larry Salona from 1999. He asked okay. for a story and uh, and gave me one semicolon. He gave me a story. So I don't know. Maybe this is like some kind of weird glitch in like the bio. But anyway, it's a very weird title by Larry Salona. This is a story about how I got a cameo, cameo appearance in uh, Stanley Kubrick's upcoming movie, Eyes Wide Shut. Or at least my byline will get a cameo. I thought it was a practical joke when the guy calling on my phone at the Post Police Bureau in the fall of 1996 said he was from Warner Brothers and that Kubrick wanted to talk to me. He's making a movie and he needs to talk to a police reporter, the guy said, as I tried to recognize uh, his voice to figure out who was pulling my leg. The guy said he was Don Buckley, a Warner VP, and someone would get back to me. Yeah, right, whatever. But later I called the number and he gave, he gave me, and sure enough, he existed. A few weeks went by and the phone rang again. It rings all day, every day. But this time, the guy on the other end said, this is Stanley Kubrick. I mean, I've seen a lot of things. Dead bodies, murder scenes. I've interviewed police commissioners and hardened detectives. Can you hear him, like, barking like crazy? Is he audible? Not really. Oh, okay. Not yeah. barely. But this time, my heart started to beat fast. I was practically stuttering. Stanley Kubrick. I've seen all his films. A Clockwork Orange. 2001. The Shining. This guy's a big deal. Lives in seclusion on an estate outside London. Hasn't talked to reporters in years. Not since Full Metal Jacket in 87. So, how are things in the States, he said. How are things in New York? He's from the Bronx, and he's wild about the Yankees, who have just won the World Series. A good win, he said. What's this talk about moving the Yankees out of the Bronx, he asked. They ought to stay put. He asked about the election, Clinton running for a second term. He didn't understand with all the scandal how Clinton could be so popular. Clinton would get reelected if, even if he was in jail, Kubrick said. Then he got down to business, said there was a scene in this film where Tom Cruise opens a copy of the post to a story about a beauty queen's drug overdose. How would you write the story? He said. Then he faxed me something in his office put together uh, that his office put together and asked me for a rewrite. In the next few months, I talked to Kubrick one more time with his office, especially his assistant, Tony Freewin, at least 100 times. Talk about a perfectionist. I got calls every day. We burn up the fax lines. I even FedExed him newsprint. 
because he wanted this like you know, New York Post website. Come on, Silverab, get it together. Yeah, I effectively moved <laughs> him because he wanted to use the same paper the Post uses. I got my colleague layout whiz Billy Feist to help out because Kubrick wanted to know what a Post front page ought to look like. Billy wrote the headline that appears on the paper Cruz looks at. Lucky to be alive. Hero dog saves Bronx family of six from deadly inferno. It took Kubrick 15 months to shoot Eyes Wide Shut. It's no mystery to me since his office invested hours and hours in a tiny news story that appears in a scene that lasts maybe five seconds. Yesterday, I was heading home from the Nick game when I heard on the radio that Kubrick had died. It made me stop. He was a famous guy I'd talked to a couple of times. Not a friend, but a guy I expected to hear from someday. His office said I could get an interview when the movie came out. Last thing he said to me was, thanks, we'll be talking again. No. Wow. Mm. Hmm. So Okay, well, I think that there's a kind story. of... That, that that kind of clears up a lot of things, I think. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that I he mean, said, um, like, uh, they talked about Clinton particularly and said that he could get reelected even if he was in jail. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he knew, folks. He knew. Yeah, folks. Uh, Kubrick's daughter just went on InfoWars the other day, by the oh, way. Man, I don't really? know what That's she was funny. doing on there, but she's like, yeah, yeah. So, well, I think, it, she, I think Alex Jones has been friends with her a while because he always says, like, like folks, stand at Kubrick. He was a psychic. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Like, <laughs> he was, you a know, psychic. like he had the shining. Yeah, no, he's. I think it's uh, like his daughter has told him things about Kubrick and how paranoid he was, and he would never come. I mean, he, he, yeah, he like fled America and like never came back. It's very bizarre. A lot of weird stuff with Kubrick. Maybe one day we'll talk about the uh, the moon, the whole moon thing, mm-hmm. that other moon thing. Right. But uh, yeah, it sounds like this guy is. Uh, real it is interesting to me that kubrick was like first of all sought him out specifically like really specific it sounds like like he was Mm -hmm. calling up this guy like come on come on come on like and then spent like a lot of time like perfecting this article that was like you said it was in five seconds of the movie to get it just right and yeah all these other things i mean that could just be like a real new york post article it does yeah the beat of like prime for sure so it makes sense that he would write maybe yeah, yeah, and he's still he's pumping out so much. He seems like a kind of a beat reporter type guy. So I don't think he's like a secret, you know, British agent or like a cutout man who's actually. It doesn't sound like it to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it sounds he's not like real. he's he's a royal lancer. Um, <laughs> he's a royal lancer. I, I, I mean, so. I guess it, it. I guess it also makes sense that he would receive the uh, the Jeffrey Epstein photo, which is a little bit could be a little bit sus i'm not really sure but uh yeah i mean i'm gonna and writing to for j i mean jfk the- was junior was a celebrity a lot of this could be this is this might be a rare debunk for sj uh of uh don't want to say nothing to see here because there's always something interesting but i feel like um yeah it sounds like i mean i, I do mean, think there, there's i feel like there could be something there i mean he got could that be in and out picture of uh Islaine, you know maybe there's you know like I mean, I guess he is like a page six reporter, but he has gotten a lot of scoops on Epstein. So he's definitely like on the Epstein mm-hmm. beat. So I don't know. I think there's something interesting like the in, like uh, in the intuitiveness of Kubrick in that famous sort of movie about Epstein type things to, you know. That's true, too. Yeah. I mean, the, the Epstein vibes, later, you know, was like one of the mm-hmm. first people. I mean, you know, it is New York where a lot of this stuff happened. But like, you know, New York Post doesn't get every scoop. No, uh, they don't. So they don't. And. Yeah, and he didn't get a lot of big ones like that. That in and out picture is iconic. Um, it was probably Photoshopped too. Did he? Was he right? the first one to report his death too? Epstein's death. 
I think he was. I'm not sure about that. But he he had the picture, but I think that yeah. that in and out. I've I've been to that in and out many times on Coenga Boulevard. I feel like that shit was fake because that was the only time she was like spotted staged. in California. Yeah, yeah, like photoshopped. You mean like staged uh, or photoshopped. Okay. I photoshopped. See. I mean, it seemed like either way, maybe like she or people connected to her wanted her to get that out to the press to like maybe throw them off the trail. As far as I know, she was in the East Coast like the whole time and was almost like head faking people by being like, I'm in Los Angeles. And she was reading some weird book about like spies, like about like CIA history. <laughs> like it seemed very like it was a, it was either a taunt or like a something to get her. I don't know, buy her time or whatever. So I don't know, but always weird stuff around Stanley Kubrick. But young Haller, I don't think maybe uh, you're still around in the grotto. So I don't think your brain has been broken by this, which is good. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I hope that discourse was somewhat satisfying. Yeah. He's apparently a real person using that name professionally. So should I read uh, number six? Uh, Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. This one's uh, a good wild one. Nate Weeks 21 asked on October 22nd. 2021 what do you guys make of the stargate theory for the invasion of iraq of course military adventurism is its own reward for pnac types but could there be an occulted meaning to this weird scrap of conspiracy lore Mm. um oh that there was like a uh buried stargate like in iraq that yeah and that's why basically like the giants thing uh, yeah, the giant exactly. Kandahar, basically, um, it, it is definitely of that. I remember this theory like back when I first started dabbling heavier into kind of the whole conspiracy, like internet world. God, like back around you know like 2013, 2014 kind of era, and like you'd still see like a what is it, like is it like Linda Moulton Howe, like Project Camelot, some of these older school people that for all I know, have been rolled into, like, Q stuff today. But the people, that, the real, like, like UFO heads mm-hmm. of, like, the earlier kind of generation of conspiracy stuff. And that was, you know, like, Biblia, uh, B- Biblioteca Pleiades and, uh, right. like, Cla- r- Rents and all that. Yeah. Yeah, to- AboveTopSecret.org and all those <laughs> oh, places well, that Quino used to yeah, post on. Above Top Secret, of course, yeah. But, like, these were, th- this, like, shit like Nibiru, the Anunnaki, Stargate, like, this was kind of a hot thing. And even when the Syrian war kind of popped up, I remember there was some people like going on these like radio shows or whatever talking about how like a lot of the Syrian intervention was like a pretext but also like ISIS was like that's why they were blowing up all the monuments because they're like trying to get to a Stargate or something and like that's why America is like sending in the Green Berets to like secure the Stargate and and shit like like that's why why do you think northern Iraq is like the center of all this and shit but Um, then it kind of fell off but I am kind of I did find a, a Bibliotheca Pleiades article that i put it in the workflowy um that is kind of like the og kind of account of this here it is yeah this is i don't know what year this is from but this is like a brief summary called saddam or stargate <laughs> what is task force 20's main objective uh, um okay so this is uh, where, these oh, are a bunch of like I, I put it in the yeah. workflowy all right i i, I don't know this oh, is like I a quote from reddit okay yeah, this is a quote from, like, something. I put the third link in there. Oh, um, okay. okay, so this is quoting. I don't know who it's quoting, but let's see. 
Um, Atlantis Rising number 41. This is from 2003. <laughs> okay, so this is like okay. uh, like when the war first started, <laughs> somebody was publishing this. Uh, this, this is kind of good. Uh, so imagine this scenario. The U.S. government obtains intelligence that hidden somewhere in central Iraq is an actual Stargate placed there by the Anunnaki gods of ancient Samaria. In this scenario, when Nibiru, the alleged 12th planet, this is in parentheses, the alleged 12th planet, dash JT, is closest to Earth, the Anunnaki will take the opportunity to travel to Earth through that same Stargate and will set up their encampment in Iraq. With time running out, President Bush invades Iraq. American scientists raid the Iraqi National Museum and close the Stargate, thus frustrating the grandiose ambitions of the self-styled reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar, Saddam Hussein, and making the world safe for the New World Order. Is this the sequel to the movie Stargate? Is it a new episode of the TV series? Is it a new Star Trek movie? No, it is none of these. According to Dr. Michael Sala, it is probably exactly what happened. <laughs> Dr. Sala, an Australian national, obtained his MA in philosophy from the University of Melbourne and then his doctorate in government from the University of Queensland, 1993. Okay, well, he's got credentials. We got to listen to him, right? Mm -hmm. He's yeah. serious. He's got a PhD. Yeah, in government, so he's serious. Oh, okay. So after spending two years as an associate at the Center for Middle Eastern and Central Asian Studies in Australia. Wow, he actually has an academic job. Uh, this guy's and uh, isn't just he's a, a podcaster, winner. and he's on the faculty at Australian uh, National University in Canberra as a lecturer it, in the Department of Political Science, no less. All right. Well, here we go. Ooh. All right. So, All right. Let's buckle up. Closed, we got a. I guess we got an expert here. Yeah. All right. In 1996, he came to the U.S. and gained an academic appointment at the School of International Service at American University in Washington D.C., wow. where he remained until 2001. When he was speaking too dangerous. Well, Dr. Sala's Iraq Stargate a theory paper is expounded. Written for publication. Maybe not published, but it was submitted, okay? Yeah. And that's for so, review. That's something, okay? So you ready for this verified, serious, credentialed take? Mm -hmm. He believes that the U.S., Russia, Germany, and France have been aware that the Anunnaki left behind some very high-tech apparatus and possibly weaponry when they abandoned the Earth around 1700 B.C., and that Saddam Hussein had been getting assistance from Russian, German, and French archaeological teams for years in an attempt to unravel and perhaps reverse engineer this apparatus, which Salah claims is probably far in advance of any technology we might have obtained from the greys from Zeta Reticuli, <laughs> I love it when, and like, which is supposedly the... warehoused at Area 51 in Nevada. I love like when there's like that like huge other thing is just like totally background to this, like you know, like when yeah, like that's just remember uh, when we got accepted. all that from the grays yeah like you know that's just like you know we've already passed that we don't need to establish that like that's well known this is about like whether is there a stargate that is going to be more advanced than that alien technology that we already have um, it's like that phil oaks article about like jfk and dealey plaza like the fact that we obtained you know secret technology from the grays and zeta particular is an established fact and i'm not going to waste time arguing with you yeah you know? <laughs> like um okay but yeah so some in the middle east ufo community theorize that Task Force 20, which has been conducting commando raids north of Baghdad in recent weeks, is looking for this Stargate in addition to elusive former dictator Saddam Hussein. According to Mahmoud al-Diwaniyahi, uh, the alien Stargate may be hidden away in one of several locations. Some possible locations include A, an ancient crypt beneath the Sumerian ziggurat pyramid of Dor Kurigalzu near Baghdad. B, 
the so-called dark ziggurat of Enzu, located in the Aseb Asagir, Little Zab River Valley, mm-hmm. which was once the lair of Gimil Ishbi, a Sumerian sorcerer of 3000 BC. <laughs> the dark See, ziggurat of <laughs> Enzu. Ziggurat. Okay. Beneath yeah. the ancient fortress nice. of Kalat Ijalundi, near Zarzi in the Little Zab River Valley north of Mosul. D. Saddam's reputed underground base in Al-Uja, three kilometers north of Tikrit, which was built for him by the, quote, Zarzi aliens, extraterrestrials whose UFO crashed in Iraq in December 1998 and who were given sanctuary in Zarzi by Saddam. Editor's comment, Dr. Salah's paper puts a whole new spin on that UFO, quote, crash. Did the Zarzi aliens land in Iraq deliberately? Were they planning all along to reactivate the ancient Anunnaki stargate? Quote, Task Force 20 has been relentless in their search, Mahmoud reported, but Saddam continues to elude them. He is said to never spend more than three or four hours in any one location. Saturday, August 9th, 2003, he released another tape urging the Iraqi people to resist the occupation. Uh, This is funny. Editor's comment. Another audio tape? Saddam has more recordings out than Mariah Carey. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very 2004. Um... Wow. Um, As always, Baghdad continues to seethe with rumors and urban legends. Quote, as a U.S. soldier peered out of a passing tank, a young engineering student and a retired accountant contemplated one of the more common questions on the streets of Baghdad. Did the soldiers wrap around sunglasses give him x-ray vision? With those sunglasses, he can definitely see through women's clothes, said the engineering student. This is such a Muslim. uh, Oh, my God. Concern. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. The retired accountant smiled and said it was a baseless rumor, just like the widespread story that Saddam Hussein had secretly been working for America was now at a CIA safe house. I do not believe Saddam is in America, Hassan said. I heard he went to Tel Aviv. Wow. So conspiracies mm. abounding. Wow. Okay. So yeah, they're was just this? so spellbound by our technology. Yeah. I like, did the idea of the Stargate come from the movie Stargate? That's a really good question because there was, uh, on so the one hand, Project Stargate, but that was not yes, like that predated the, idea of the Stargate. Was the movie Stargate like a shit code of Project Stargate, like to you know like destroy SEO SEO of the name? Yeah, exactly. It might have. Uh, let waters. me see. I by the way, I loved Stargate when it came out. We when watched I was a little it together kid. again in the same apartment where we used. Oh to watch yeah, we did. We watched the Stargate once. Yeah. Um, like the TV series, like it, like. Like sucks. Like it seems it's really lame. Uh, Yeah, but like the original movie with like Kurt Russell, it was like, yo, this is like this is wild. Um, let me see, huh? Like, and it was like basically ancient aliens. Like before ancient aliens was like a phenomenon. You know, it pretty much was. Yeah, Stargate. Right, they went back in time to ancient Egypt, and there were aliens there. So the franchise is based on the idea of an alien Einstein Rosenbridge like a wormhole type device that is the Stargate. Um, and let me see who even wrote it. Roy like, Emmerich directed it, right? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, yes, he directed the movie and co-wrote it with Dean Devlin, mm-hmm. producer. So it sounds like they came up with it. And <laughs> yeah. like, this is just, once uh, again, like something that would probably never be... Uh, Roland Emmerich. No, yeah. it would not be made today without an existing IP. And I feel like they would be like, how can we make this X-Men? Like, how can we make this, you know, Doctor Strange? 
etc. I mean, it has so many spinoffs now the that pri- they, they, they they got well, in before they the door do closed. Of it. Yeah, and maybe like yeah, boomers still, who loved SG one would go. Or... It's still out there, but yeah, I'm trying to see. There's very little about kind of. It's like they just okay, came up with it. Really, that was like, like around the same time. Okay, as theatrical Star film. Trek. Oh, well, you know, I have to go to Stargate the film wiki. I can't just read about the franchise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me see development. The Stargate on, media franchise. I mean, I think there's yeah, there's there's a lot of. I mean, God, Roland Emmerich did Independence Day right after this. Another. And know, the Stargate in the movie wasn't like the Stargate in the show where in the movie, the Stargate like goes to every other planet and everything. But in the movie it went, they went back in time with that. Right. Or did they go to another planet that was like Egypt? I forget. Yeah. It, it, the, oh, the right. Thing they I did. Think, they go to another planet that was like Egypt. That it's was, like, Oh, this Abnos. is where Egypt got all its ideas yeah. from this alien planet. Right. Where, well, they, like, they go and they do the same thing over and over again. They like, you know, they teach them the same language of ancient Egyptian. <laughs> Yeah, so and, it is very like ancient astronauts. Um, yes. I see it's also tagged at the article "White Savior Narrative in Film" is <laughs> tagged, um, which you know, fair enough, I guess, because uh, it is it, it do be a little bit like that. Yes, but very little, you know, little here about huh? That it is bizarre. Like, there's nothing about like where the fuck they got this idea from. It's just like, oh yeah, it's just an original idea, and like these guys just made it. Like, hmm. I, went, I mean, there might be interviews somewhere where Roland Emmerich talks well, about yeah, it. Well, yeah, I mean, the idea of, like, a portal, but Arthur C. Clarke uses the term Stargate for the large monolith TMA2 in 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is a classic Stargate oh. portal to another part of the universe. Okay, well. So. Yeah, that, yeah Stargate device first appeared in the Roland Emmerich film, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so early portals. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Robert Heinlein, of course, Tunnel in the Sky, and yeah, the I Rams think just I mean, the jump. idea of a portal, I feel like, is it's quite It's pretty old. basic. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, maybe the terminology of Stargate, especially as one word, was popularized by the show, which is named that oh, because of Project Stargate. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Wait a minute. This is interesting. All I right, found a court right. case. We got we got we got the documents. Okay. Okay, so yeah, in the generic article about Stargate, you know, the studio mm-hmm. probably tried to clean it up, but apparently, <laughs> you know, this concept was allegedly developed by Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich, but there is contention as to whether they plagiarized the idea from a previous script submitted by a, from a student of Egyptology named Omar Zudi, who submitted a screenplay to them about 10 years before the movie was made. Omar Zudi, Zudi you say? Per, uh, yeah, Omar Zudi, who pursued legal action regarding this, and the case was settled out of court. So, like, I got the docket right here. This was uh, in Oklahoma... Yeah, Zudi v. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer et al. Um, terminated in 1997. So, you know, this does happen sometimes. It's a very shady thing about Hollywood. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot, like, I, like we were talking earlier about, you know, going and doing things on spec that honestly is like a big, it's like a fucked up thing about Hollywood is that you get invited and they go, oh, they have this property uh, maybe we want to hire you as a writer on it. Can you s- submit us like kind of a pitch document about like your take mm-hmm. or whatever? And then, okay, you do that. They probably do that. They could do that with anywhere from, you know, 20 to 50 different writers. And it's like you're generating free like brainstorming for them. 
And then as long as if like there might be a couple elements like in each person's thing that they're like, oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. And then they hire one writer to kind of like, you know, maybe put it all into a draft and then, you know, because you can't copyright an idea, only like a work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably what happened here. Well, yeah, that's probably what happened here, though. If you send somebody a, th- and actually well, I should back up a little bit. The reason they do that thing of like, send me your ideas is because you can't copyright a pitch document yeah you can't copyright an idea you yeah like but if they say dialogue. you know oh we want your take on this and you send them a draft of a screenplay then you have a much better legal case if they ever try to like steal it yeah. being like i sent you a full script like you can do a one-to-one comparison right exactly you have to show like, like serious like clear correspondences with very specific ideas and you have to like argue for it but this guy yeah, won, yeah. you know. But the, got, well, because well, I think because they fu- of- I think they fucked up a little bit because he sent them a full script of it, and then they didn't do anything with it for ten years, and it sounds like they kind of dusted it off and thought, well, fuck this guy, like let's just write our own version of it on the same premise. But like once because he sent them that script and they received it, then they, that opens them up to like maybe losing in court. So they probably paid him, paid him a fee. You know, that happened with Stranger Things, too, by the way. Legally, of course, the Duffer Brothers totally wrote it. But mm-hmm. <laughs> that's uh, the, there was con- contention over that for a while with another filmmaker. So, yeah. So but that's interesting also, though, that I don't know if it was called Stargate when this guy wrote it. But that so. would have been in like 1984. So that would have been, you know, Wall His Project Stargate. Egyptscape. Huh. Okay. No. So they slapped on the Stargate. I mean, Stargate's like a catchy, you know, yeah. name for it, I guess. But I, I, so I suppose they coined the term Stargate. Uh, well, they didn't coin it because Project Stargate was called that before, wasn't it? I get, but like, but like, it almost makes you wonder, like, what the fuck was that referring to? <laughs> like, in, I mean, well, you, you know, know, in the military what does context, wish mean, you know, like I know. Nothing. Well, yeah, I guess Stargate, like, it's just kind of, it sounds new agey, I guess. Yeah. So, but this is like our I mean, new it age. Sounds project. more appropriate than Gondola Wish, I guess. Um, I guess. You yeah. Know, timber Sycamore, whatever. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so, what else do they okay. Call it? Yeah, Grill Flame, Center Lane, Sun Streak. Yeah. So. You know, is there any evidence that there was a Stargate in Iraq? Um, uh, I, don't I don't think know. so. It's I mean, fun to think Omar about. Maybe Omar Zudi heard about that from an Iraqi friend. Uh, maybe that's where he got the idea. I guess you can't call it White Savior because an Egyptian guy wrote it. So you know. Well, I mean, he has the right. Who knows what actually happened in the fil- in the book Egyptscape versus the movie? Although, like, that's true. I mean. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's It's fun to think about, like, like, special ops teams, like, trying to, like, you know, fight over a portal or, like, (laughs) the entire ISIS thing is just all about, like, getting access to a Stargate. I prefer the the black hats. I prefer the giant theory, but there actually are giants Mm, that pop up in this Biblioteca Polides story because uh, they say Saddam's aliens' friends use their bioengineering to create giant scorpions. There were rumors of these creatures in the Asab al-Sagir before the war. Uh, Mahmoud reported. They say some Americans have been killed by these creatures. The rumor in Fallujah mm-hmm. is that the Americans are hiding the casualties by dumping large numbers of soldiers' bodies each night into the Tigris River. No. <laughs> that is very similar to the, the giant of Kandahar. Yeah, there are you giant know. scorpions. Yeah, and the soldiers are getting killed by them. It seems like X-ray vision glasses. According, I don't know where the story is from, but these interviews are even from, but 
the, yeah, the X-ray glasses story they're really harping on and the idea that some Iraqis say the soldiers take special pills to keep them cool. But the most common theory is that they have portable air conditioners, usually said to be placed inside the vests, but sometimes placed in the helmet or even the underwear. Yeah, like they have like water underwear or something that like stays cool or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there were uh, all kinds of things going on there. This is giving me like Voice of Allah vibes, you know. Yes. Yeah, I, I think... Um, Although I feel like if Saddam Hussein did have a Stargate, he would try to activate it and he would like solicit the help of the Zarzi aliens if they crashed. Whereas like the Voice of Allah thing, it seems like more tenuous, especially like, the Face of Allah thing <laughs> where they create like a hologram of like Allah's face. Well, it was always just rumblings that, yes, like, oh, maybe they tried it out somewhere. But that was even during the first Gulf War, too, that, uh, yeah, I don't think I feel like, yeah, happened, I don't know. But. I mean, uh, I don't want to, uh, maybe, maybe it would work, but I feel like uh, generally people are not that stupid, <laughs> like fall for that type <laughs> of thing. But I don't know. Probably not. Uh, I, I mean, work in Cuba. they definitely are critically paranoid in Iraq. Just the very fact that they would be like, can you like, uh, is, are you using x-ray vision to like see like, uh, like their women's underwear? Like, are you like, is Saddam in Tel Aviv right now? Uh, are there giant scorpions? Like, I think that they would like be skeptical <laughs> of encountering like a hologram of like, you know, I don't know, whatever the NATO lab would come up with for Allah's face, you know, if it appeared yeah, in a combat know. context. Um, and then what's, and like is CERN like, you know, maybe there isn't a Stargate, but they want to build one. So they're like, they're trying they're to trying build They're trying to re-engineer it. Yeah. 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 Because it got blown up during like the war or something. Like, who the, no, I, I probably I mean, not. Um, <laughs> I mean, what I will say is that I do think that like, again, this is like the giant thing where they were like, it's all about Babylon you know ba the, the human the hit like you know the the tower of babel like that's where it is it's there in babylon like that's the one place that they won't bomb during the gulf war and like all that stuff i don't like i'm not gonna say that like saddam was saying a stargate and that there are giant scorpions however like these are all in a way permutations or uh like riffs on the real investment like the cultural investment that people have in iraq or in like you know, the whole, like, quote-unquote, Middle East in general. Like, those areas of the world, like, have a lot of human history. Like, you know, like, Sumeria was there. Like, you know, uh, mm. Babylon was there. I mean, and the Stargate movie, like, attests to this. Like, the huge... I mean, we've talked about this many times. Like, the incredible hold that the idea of Egypt or, you know, even the older civilizations in uh, Akkad or... Um, you know, yeah, in, like in the Anunnaki Sumer, stuff has like, really yeah. had, like, it's popped in and out of a lot of different places over the last, like, 10, 15 years in culture. You know, yeah. every now and then a rapper references it. Like, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's fallen off, but there's... Uh, no, I think but I think that's part of the same thing of, like, Saddam... Oh, sorry, not Saddam Hussein, of Steve Bannon trying to create, like, the Judeo-Christian Academy of, like, crusade defense, like, outside of Rome. Like, you know, whether... Like, it takes different forms, but there is, like, a strong power that, like, these uh, ideas have, like, these places have. Uh, and I think that, like, there is a larger role of uh, that sort of uh, histor history in these, like, wars and, like, these uh, geopolitical transformations and these, like, developments and th uh, events than, like, people sometimes acknowledge. Like, just, I always think about, like, how, like, Donald Rumsfeld would, like, 
you know, give uh, George Bush, like, pictures of, like, soldiers riding around on tanks with, like, MS Paint, like, Bible quotes on top and things like that, you know, like, uh, so. Oh, yeah, know, a lot of spiritual like, investment. Yes, in exactly. Like, for a, sure. a deep-seated spiritual investment that Crusaders uh, gonna has, crusade. like, a greater power over, like, even serious people who wouldn't necessarily believe in the giant scorpions of the Stargate than is commonly acknowledged. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. So we can't give any, you know, final, no. you know, occulted meaning. It is a weird scrap of conspiracy lore, but... I'm reading about yeah. uh, there's a conspiracy involving Iran, too. Uh, there's a secret oh agenda to promote a series of regional crises to sponsor upheaval in Iraq's main rival and regional powerhouse that would inevitably force Iraq into a military confrontation with its more powerful neighbor and thereby create opportunities for U.S. European influence in Iraq. I mean, <laughs> so we're gonna oh. do the '80s all over again. You know, like uh, get, get these comp- have a revolution in Iran and get them to fight each other. Well, that already you know, this has already happened. This is the part of the agenda. The like you know to get the Anunnaki technology even go. So this is why. The, oh, that's why yeah, they the did. The Islamic Revolution no. was sponsored by the U.S. Um, Fucking Bill Casey. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, he knew. They first um, withdrew the traditional support for the Shah of Iran who maintained a tight hold in the political power through his powerful security forces, and then they fomented an Islamic revolution. Um, I mean, Khomeini did have, like, some, you know, uh, like, U.S. intelligence contacts. Like, it did happen. Not as significant as the Shah, so, you know, but... Did yeah, have to do there, there's a lot of intrigue there. Um, I mean, you know, Steve Bannon sabotaging the helicopter in the desert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, yeah, who, maybe that's why. Who knows? Yeah, and uh, how did it happen? <clears throat> it happened through a haboob, which is basically a samoom, which is basically it was a created band. by a Zeta reticulin UFO that like kicked yeah, up all <laughs> the, the Zarzi aliens did it. Yeah, I mean, um, who, yeah, maybe this will circle back around all this UFO disclosure um, shit. Now that's really where the the hot the hot ticket is these days. Yeah, um, it's all about that based UFO uh, disclosure. By the way, you know, there's a new congressman in New Jersey. Did you know that? Um, no. um, uh, Thomas Howard Keene Jr. Oh, wow. um, is now the congressman in New Jersey. He is, of course, the son of Thomas Keene, who was on the 9-11 commission and the first cousin of Leslie Keene. So now she has an ally in Congress that can get the disclosure out. Isn't that great? Yeah, that is great. That's good. Yeah. Maybe we can restart yeah. whatever Luel Zonda was part of. What was it again? A tip. Yeah. Maybe we can. Yeah. A tip. Oh yeah. They're gonna do it now. Um, yep. The uh, the the great the great great nephew of Hamilton Fish himself uh, will yeah. bust the case wide open. We need um, to get the word out that the U.S. cynically supported the Islamic Republic and took away women, life, and freedom, all so they could get to Iraq's ET technology. I think. You know, True. people would be really demoralized by that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, or maybe we should need to not to tell people because, like, then they wouldn't support women, life, and freedom. Um, no, you have to support women, life, and freedom all the, the time. The left has to. Um, yeah. Yeah, the left has to stand with. Yeah. When, <laughs> like, opposed to the left's ordinary stance of like not supporting women, life, or freedom. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways. It's not the road we used to know. They tore some buildings down Traffic's like a pack of dogs There's fewer trees, windows, fleas 
concrete on the lawn There's people here but you are gone And I'm fine Still swimming through time Afraid some days I've reached the shore Make yourself free Man said that's me Now my heart is like an open door In the
So, getting tired. Uh, okay, yeah, let's go. we got right. seven. Number seven. Is it me or you? I forget. I think it's me. Um, okay. Gingy zero zero asks on ten twenty six twenty one. What are your thoughts on fraternal societies that mimic the Masons and their rituals? Groups like the Elks Lodge, the Moose Lodge, sorry, the Elks Lodge, the Moose Lodge, uh, the Eagles Club, the Order of Owls, etc. Well, this I guess was before we talked about these groups kind of in our in our Goblin episode. But anyway, uh, are they just LARPers in a drinking club or is there something more beneath the surface? A lot of these types of organizations were founded for membership life insurance as well. And that just makes me go back to what others in the grotto have talked about before in regards to early American insurance agencies and the power and wealth they may have had. Uh, that's an interesting connection that never necessarily occurred to me. So I think that there's definitely something there. But I also think that those groups are like some of the susest groups in a way because like, I mean, I say the Freemasons aren't sus, but like the like activities. I mean, we talked about this a little bit in our Goblins episode, but like mm-hmm. the activities at some of these like smaller scale, like local, like uh, fraternal orders, like the, you know, because they inv- they sometimes can even involve fewer than 50 people or maybe, you know, just right under the, <laughs> the cap of 50 that you need to keep any secret. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it is true that the fewer people uh, who know about something the easier it is to move secretly and you have greater operational security and uh, mobility. So I think that's definitely true of like a lot of these groups. And they do definitely very sus things like on a local scale. Like on a lot of these groups like had, just something I discovered like during the research for the Goblins episode was how much Mm -hmm. like interpenetration there was between like, you know, groups of the Order of the Owls and uh, groups of the Ku Klux Klan, you know, like, and the Ku Klux Klan really was one of those groups. And and, I mean, it became a national organization in part, I feel like because of like Birth of a Nation and things like that uh, helped its popularity a lot. But, you know, prior to that, I think it was more, you know, of a like a splinter cell type thing where they were kind of like they were sort of casting themselves in the same sort of model of the Masonic fraternal order, you know, but on a, on a smaller scale. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like it is interesting, these groups, because there are so many of them like and they kind of do. I feel like some of them are primarily i mean they all have a kind of different origins but it is it is interesting like the absolute like the sheer amount of uh fraternal organizations that cropped up particularly in like the 1800s in america and how they all like had sort of like a masonic vibe and structure to some degree but i don't know i guess not all of them came from the same place in terms of like a certain like mystical spiritual tradition and and like the questioner like Jinji alluded to a lot of the times there were like practical reasons for joining this whether it's through whether it's for networking or for insurance uh basically like this is an easy way to uh get life insurance was by joining a fraternal organization in fact i think the uh, the ancient order of hibernians that's an interesting example because it's kind of like a Masonic secret society, but it's not because it's all Irish Catholic. And I think it was one of the only fraternal orders. I think I was seeing right here. I forget which one it might be. It's either the order of the owls or the elks or the eagles that I was just looking at was like one, the only like one of two fraternal societies that was not outlawed by the Catholic church the other one being the ancient order of Hibernians. So a lot of them were straight up. Most of these groups were like, uh, like Catholics were forbidden 
yes, it's the Order of Owls, which was from South Bend, Indiana. Was, yeah, the Catholics generally uh, hate was allowed Masons. They never Catholics explicitly said that they hate the loyal order of the moose. Okay. Yeah, although the Wisconsin <laughs> Synod did forbid membership, but that's a Lutheran thing. Um, Here's something I didn't know. The Elks Lodge, that always that, that one always seemed like the majority of Elks Lodges I've, I've seen are like that's where old guys go to hang out and like drink beer and like they're kind of like normal type of people but i'm looking right here on their wikipedia i did not know that the elks began in 1868 as a social club for minstrel show performers called the jolly corks wow i didn't know that it was established as a private club to elude new york city laws governing the opening hours of public taverns the elks borrowed rights and practices from freemasonry and in 1892, belief in a supreme being became a prerequisite. Um, in 1946, that was substituted for God. Oh, this is interesting. In 1919, a Flag Day resolution was passed, barring membership to even passive sympathizers, quote, of the Bolsheviki, anarchists, the IWW, or kindred organizations, or who does not give undivided allegiance to the flag and constitution of the United States. The BPLA yeah, was originally an all-white organization. <laughs> so, And they went I to mean, court to, like, defend their right to be all-white after, like, in the 70s. Until yeah, until 1973. Was, yeah, that's, you know, so you get what I'm kind of saying. That, tell, like, that tells you the social character of the yeah, types of thing where even if you had... organization of minstrel performers originally. Of and minstrel then it just performers. became like general group of sauce lords. Um, Anybody that had any sympathies whatsoever for the Bolsheviks or the IWW or anarchism was outlawed from joining. So that yes. that's going to skew the politics a little bit, um, especially during like the Palmer raid era around the end of World War One. That was like that was kind of the first like COINTELPRO like coordinated like public private national security crackdown of like left sympathizers. You know, that ever happened? There were a lot of groups that were engaged, but I guess some of these fraternal societies were more than happy to jump on. Ooh, wow. Famous Elks. Let's see. Let's see who was. I think that might be the best thing to gauge, at least in a certain historical period, how much juice these guys had. Right. So, okay, there's some pretty heavy hitting Elks. Babe Ruth. Warren G. Harding, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Harry Truman, wow. Dwight Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy, Gerald Ford. Okay, so we got six wow. presidents. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, Richard Daly, the mayor of Chicago, was an elk. And let's see, Irving business Berlin. people. Yeah, well, that's, that's, Irving that's Berlin. Bruce. Yeah. And Jack Benny as well, who I guess started on vaudeville. So that kind of makes sense. And we're, Barry Goldwater as well. Hmm. Okay, so they let Jewish members in. That's that's interesting. And but there's also the improved benevolent and protective order of Elks of the World. Oh, and that's actually the African American kind of variant of the Elks that was established in 1897. So you got kind of a Prince Hall masonry kind of thing going on. And then let me just see if there's any famous people in the Order of Owls, which is founded by John Talbot in 1904. Yeah. And this, like, eventually, like, at least there are different chapters of this, but I remember when we talked about this in Goblins, like, one of them just straight up, like, became the KKK. Well, not, like, you oh, know, the that's first right. one, that's but it right. goes, like, a, you know, bought out and, like, assimilated into existing, you know. Like, they took yeah, over their so, chapter. Grand exalted hmm. rulers. Yeah, definitely, like, I feel like the very fact that it was, like, supreme being at first, like, was kind of this, like, red facing that a lot of these groups used to do. And the, the name Elks, I feel like it was kind yeah. of, like, Tammany Hall. 
vibes at first where they were kind of like, you know, doing this sort of, uh, remember like the, we we found researching years ago, like the, like ancient order of the red men or something like that, which is very much like they're dressing up in like red face. No, it was a widespread thing. Tammany hall was like that too. Like, uh, especially early on. Yeah. Like, I mean, even the Boston tea party, it's like a long American, like sort of like secret society tradition of like appropriating, the appearance uh, of Native Americans and like making up, like doing kind of, I mean, Bohemian Grove is not unlike that either. True. Um, true. You know, this isn't, this is a little bit interesting. The fraternal order of Eagles on the other hand, which was founded in 1898 in Seattle by a group of six theater owners, including mm-hmm. John court, John, everything Tim always starts Considine. with like theater people. Uh, right. Like and Harry Levitt are an mm. underappreciated sus group. Originally made up of those engaged in one way or another in the performing arts. Same thing with Bohemian Grove. Like, you know, theater people. Like, watch Yeah, out. theater you people, know, theater, theater kids. kids they're and, out there. And yeah. they claimed, I, this is bizarre, they're, they're most known for establishing the Mother's Day holiday and also were the, quote, impetus for social security in the United States. There you go again with kind of life insurance side of sort of, it's sort of similar, the idea of social security, but... Normally, you see these guys are very have a private bent to them. So, I wonder what that I've I had no idea that the uh, the Order of Eagles was like influential in passing the Social Security law. Like how you know that's interesting. Oh, guess what? Uh, at one point, the qualifications of membership were that one must be twenty one years old, possess a good character, not be a communist, and be a Caucasian. In the seventies, the all white provision had been rescinded. <laughs> Their but only black the man order, was Joe Lewis when asked to like prove that they allowed black people in. The only person they could point to was Joe Lewis. Wow. Yep, that's it. But of course, you know, the the the, the thing that you couldn't be a communist um is uh was still in effect. Oh, interesting. Interesting. In 1941, the Fraternal Order of the Eagles donated funds for the construction of a dormitory at Boys Town, Nebraska. <laughs> Father Flanagan, the founder of Boys Town, was member of the order. A few years later, the order sponsored the creation of Eagle Hall at the Range for Boys at Sentinel Butte, North Dakota. The High Girl Ranch near Midland, Texas, has also received a dormitory. The Memorial Foundation was founded in 1946 and regularly supports medical research projects. In the 70s, the FOE joined environmentalists in efforts to save the bald eagle from extinction. And, huh. So they, okay, they, at the time of the New Deal, they promoted social legislation, particularly old age and mother's pension, social security, and workmen's compensation. But wait a minute. By 1980, it was advocating for seniors to work after age 65 <laughs> and to return what? the social security system back to its original purpose, which I think means like only for like widows or like disabled people. Like at first it wasn't for everybody. Huh. That's So they they basically, I don't know, they, they were down with the New Deal for a little while, but then they got sucked back into being a reactionary fraternal society by the 80s. I guess not too shocking. Uh, big supporters of, okay, you want to hear who some Eagles are in uh, terms of famous? All right, yeah. Seven U.S. presidents have been Eagles. Theodore Roosevelt, once again, Warren G. Harding, FDR, Harry Truman, John F. Kennedy, Jimmy Carter, and Ronald Reagan, as well as J. Edgar Hoover, Joe Manchin, Walter Mondale, a confirmed KGB operative, um, Earl Warren, also a Freemason, Father Flanagan, founder of Boys Town. 
This is an interesting list of uh, celebrities. Carol Burnett, Alice Cooper. Hmm. Interesting. Billy Ray Cyrus, Bob Hope. Uh-oh, thanks for the memories. Oh. Uh, Tony Orlando, Charlie Daniels. Uh-oh, Lee Greenwood. Again, this is very Bryce Taylor vibes. Wayne Newton and Brett Michaels from Poison. And a lot of athletes, a lot of fit. And also uh, Jimmy Hoffa and Eleanor Roosevelt, who was, I guess, a um, an auxiliary member. And Virginia Graham, who I believe was... No, she is not Billy Graham's wife, but Radio she was an evangelical, oh, yeah. yeah, evangelical TV personality. So, okay, that's kind of interesting. Um, the Order of the Owls, or sorry, no, that, that was Eagles, the Order of yeah. the Eagles. Were there any others that were mentioned? Wow, Roosevelt, um, he was also in the other one too, wasn't he? He was an elk as well? Yeah. He was an elk and an eagle. Uh, wow. Yes, I think he was an elk and an eagle. I mean, I think that that's they were the a big sum- promoter of like the Ten Commandments thing. Once again, like they love to get psyop by like, you know, these films, just like Birth of a Nation. The movies have always had such a, you know, power over the, the imagination Enchanting of the spell. Uh Yeah, like uh, right. the Ten Commandments came out and then they got really fired up. I guess they haven't fired up before, so maybe one came before the other, but they really, they were like a big, they were big, uh, big advocates of like putting the Ten Commandments in like courthouses. Really? Um, yeah, which, wow. you know, now have to thank for the, the Satanic Temple being like, well, if you can have the Ten Commandments, we can have a statue yeah, they're of doing it, it feels like a, a work. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. Feels yeah. like a work. Um, <laughs> you know, let, yeah. let them I mean, fight I, over it. I feel like it's unoffensive uh, to have a Ten Commandments. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Kanye would disagree. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, uh, he's a Christian. Think, he has yeah, to like it's it. Um, oh, yeah. Let's see. Also, the oh, the Mooses, the Loyal Order of the Moose is the other one that's from Mooseheart. Well, it's headquartered in Mooseheart, Illinois. That was from 1888. And... Let's see. Founded in Louisville, Kentucky by Dr. John Henry Wilson. It was intended as a men's social club. It kind of fell off for a while because they didn't have a lot of money. And then a Welsh immigrant named James J. Davis, he joined it and kind of transformed it. He saw the order as a way to provide a social safety net for a working class membership using a low annual membership fee after giving a rousing address. So he was basically kind of i don't know relatively like like a working class fraternal society leader or whatever um of course they did restrict membership to caucasians until i think the 19 well up through the 1990s nope still all white guys and when you talk about like the old boys club this is literally an old boys club you know basically let's see what their members were in terms of oh they got four presidents once again warren g harding yet again FDR, yet again, Theodore Roosevelt, and Harry Truman. Also, Evan Bayh, Robert Byrd from West Virginia, Mayor Richard Daly, again, Joe Manchin. Oh, you know, Joe Manchin actually is like Joe Manchin the third. So I think the other one was his like father or grandfather uh-huh. was a politician, but he is a moose. Joe Manchin the third, Earl Warren, once again, Tommy Thompson. Let's see, uh, Charlie Chaplin. Lodge 134 in Los Angeles. Jimmy Stewart, kind of a sus lord a little bit. Um, hate to say it, but Abbott and Costello. Wow. Eric Estrada. Okay. And Daryl Worley, the country star. And lots of athletes. And also Henry Ford was a uh, moose as well. And Gus Grissom, uh, astronaut 
from Apollo. Wait, did he die or was he? No, was he like Gary Sinise in Apollo 13? I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was. Anyways, sus astronaut. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. A lot of, you know, like, uh, so I don't, it's weird that all these societies like had, you know, uh, like presidents and things like that. I don't think that means like every, you know, chapter in these societies were like super powerful or they're all part of the same grand secret society. But it definitely was like a way for influential people yeah. to like pool their influence and kind of, I'm sure many cities It's kind and of like the opposite like of a union where like, you know, I mean, there are unions kind of that have is. a huge impact it, on a national scale, like the teachers union, et cetera, et cetera. But like also on the local scale, like, you know, they didn't have like the Eagles, like social security. It seems like they were pretty influential and they were, you know, a lot of like really powerful were members. Like they definitely did have a huge impact. Like, you know, I, I think, yeah, it's kind of like an anti-union in a way. Where like it is like kind a, of a, a it's like in a true like, sense, it's like the negation. It's like a counter. It's like a contra union or yeah, something like that. Where it's like a you know, class, just like it's like the it's even worse than a homeowners association. Because um, kind of anything goes in those environments, and everybody is sort of sworn to like brotherly secrecy. Yeah. So you can talk like about s- anything. Sus rituals and like psyops where they make you think that you've been branded do trauma based mind control or, on you actually brand you or just make you know backroom deals insider trading all of these things a brother never betrays a brother and coordinate as a class and it's interesting that a lot of these groups did come around a little bit later than the freemasonry groups and it was really around like the gilded age like post-civil war where you also saw an intensification of both the rise of labor unions like particularly in the 70s 80s and 90s you saw a rise of these labor unions and even fraternal societies of immigrants like the ancient order of Hibernians that on the whole were kind of hostile to management and capital in a lot of like capital, you know, they were, they were, uh, they often used the AOH was often used to plot against, you know, mine owners, railroad bosses and things like that. And also because Irish Catholics were not allowed, I think initially at that time, maybe in like the 1870s, a lot of them were not allowed to join, you know, the fucking Order of the Red Men or the Odd Fellows or the, you know, the Elks Lodge or any of these other things. So they had to go in, and even the Knights of Columbus. I have a book, by the way, I think I'm going to try to read um, that I got at Moe's Books a few months ago that was about the rise of the Knights of Columbus and as a kind of Catholic alternative to Freemasonry. And, but then around World War One, like it's kind of understated in our history how much we had like a weirdo, like patriot, like a patriotic jingoism wave mm-hmm. in those years that totally got, that energy got kind of combined and then converted into going after domestic, like left-wing, like yes. labor type people and communists and anarchists, et cetera. Yeah. And the IWW. I mean, and it, it was mixed in with like their German spies and shit like that. Yeah. It was just all, and the it's FBI really part almost of the same phenomenon. Like it's real, like part of the same larger cultural phenomenon that of like the pledge of allegiance that we all have to say in American high schools, people who are listeners who don't live in the United States might find this odd. And I feel like people often find it uh, to be strange uh, who aren't familiar with it. But, uh, I mean, maybe, have they stopped doing this yet? Because, like, when you and I were in high school and in elementary school, we all had to say a loyalty to the United States every single morning. 
<laughs> right? Like, I mean, I went to Catholic school, but we had to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I eventually some sorry, Catholic refused, stuff at the end I eventually refused to do it, like, at a, there a certain point. But, like, yeah. yeah. It was very... And and no, it I was, think like, made up during that time. It it's not thing. like some, you know, George Washington was like, and every day. Like, you know, it was, like, one of these fucking sus lords, like, made it up. Like, it was probably... Like, I think a it was a 1950s Red Scare innovation. Yeah, definitely. It, it's a loyalty oath. I think... Because, like, um, just, like, One Nation Under God written exactly. on our money came about in the 50s. It yeah, was never as a point of contrast... Money. The yeah, we're not like the godless yeah. commies, etc. And so, and also like seeing the anti-communism of all, of the, like the whites only anti-communism requirements in all of these lodges mean that, like by definition, you're going to get more like reactionary men. And of course, then the more prominent wealthy men you attract to this kind of thing, uh, you know, you're going to get this kind of ruling class pressure cooker kind of conspiracy environment where they're going to plot with each other. Like that's where, you know, probably shots can get called for like various political machines and things like that. So, but at the same time, like today, are they, do they, they, they seem to have fallen off. That's what I'll say. Like these, these sort of local homegrown American lodges as like reactionary and like sus as they were throughout their heyday, it feels like they've fallen off big. And I don't know exactly. I, I think I read an article once that speculated that when they finally all dropped their racial discrimination kind of clauses yeah, in like the 70s and the 80s. No one wanted to be a member like, anymore. Yeah, that's why yeah, yeah. no one except for Hassan Piker is like even a member of like these groups. He's a Freemason, isn't he? I guess maybe that he has said he was a Freemason. Yeah. You know, which. Mm. Um, cool. Mm. Cool, Here to want to do cool. something. Uh, you can't let this, you know, representative of the I mean, the Gray Wolves are kind of a, you know, fraternal order. Yeah, they are, but they're um, not, you know, I think that they consider Masons to be their enemies, at least based on the play that Erdogan wrote, uh, Mascom <laughs> You or You Mask, I forget what it's called. Uh, mm. But it was basically, it's a, like, a, an, abbreviate, an abbreviation of, like, Jews, Masons, and Communists, who are, like, the ultimate enemies of Erdogan. JMCs. Yeah, it was a play yeah. that he wrote. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, another another theater person now these, at the top these of the world. woke JMCs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, well, okay, yeah. So you know, are they LARPing today? That's kind of like half the time what they want you to think. But at the same time, every time I see like a car driving around LA that has like a Freemason sort of decal on it or something, or occasionally you'll see like a guy walking around with like a big like Freemason ring on or something like it never looks like too fancy of a car maybe occasionally but you know it, it does kind of make you wonder like oh okay like there, like there are kind of like working and middle class people at this point who do join those lodges i'm not exactly sure kind of like what they get out of it besides like a fun club to be a part of mm -hmm. but you know that it, it does still happen it just feels like Nowadays, there's other institutions that you would want to warm your way into if you really wanted power that are like hotter groups, whether that's I feel like, you know, honestly, becoming a burner is like a better strategy if you want to <laughs> become like a sus lord who yeah, has a lot of power. True. Like go to like do some DMT with a billionaire and like, you know, roll around in the desert or, you know, go to Esalen or something like that. Like yes. join an ayahuasca cult mm -hmm. like. All of those kind of things. Exactly. Like, Ayahuasca cults are the new thing. Uh, or, yeah, being a burner. Uh, or, or join, like, like a or, or Hillsong. Circle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
join yeah join an astroturfed like online yeah, some uh, kind social of sub, scene yeah substack uh like special group yeah yeah um, so and and maybe those are and then if you're a little bit more mainstreamy or if you're like a yeah. weird celebrity who's like down with being evangelical like you can always join sus hillslong or uh let's see what else or join you know any number of i feel like on the upper end you know council and foreign relations shit like that is always like I mean, that's a real, if you get, if you get like an appointment to like the council on foreign relations, that's definitely like a badge of, you know, yeah. class distinction and like in, in, yeah. So, you know, there, there, there's groups, like, obviously Bohemian Grove, I think is still, though it seems to encompass both like never Trumper type, you know, neocon old school Republicans that don't like Trump, but also like MAGA Republicans who are just rich and don't give a fuck, like as well. Maybe they put their differences aside when they go to the Grove, but you know, and then like, of course the Grateful Dead as well. But you know, I'm sure that group still has, you know, m maybe they're not as uh, super powerful as when they came up with the atom bomb and, you know, hatched all their plans in the mid 20th century, but there's still something, but I don't know about, you know, your local Elks Lodge, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the power, the power I mean, I moved on. I think the fact that like, yeah, now you have to, they had, they were forced to let black people in and then the magic was gone. I think it's probably a good point. And now there are other organizations whereby people do these types of things. Yeah. Now I think like the idea of like an all men or an all women kind of, you know, fraternal or, you know, the kind of secret society type thing. I feel like the gender wall is kind of broken down. So now, they're more liable. Even Skull and Bones is like not men only anymore. Like they tap women these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I think the I think the the Ivy League, like the or just the the elite university, like secret societies, are probably still the most sus and powerful. Yeah, because they they stovepipe like right into powerful institutions and like influential yes, roles. Yes, and they're also like there's a separate layer of screening. Like first you get have to get into the Ivy and then like yeah, so it's more selective. Um Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're picking out from a pool already that is probably like on average going to go on to do that, yes. but it's also like you're kind of guaranteed and they get you to really go early on, to do on something. you know. Yep. Um yeah. And you know, you're kind of taken care of uh for for life and all that other stuff. And also you got to like protect your buddies. So like if you're John Kerry and you get assigned to like uncover, you know, Iran Contra drug trafficking, oops, like you literally can't turn in your skull and bonesman brothers. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying like, Oh, they're going to come and kill you. Like if you say anything, but it's like the, the social pre like he's been socialized into a secret society. He's not going to do it. Like, even if he wasn't in Skull Abodes, it would be a heavy lift for him to actually do it, right? You know, mm -hmm. like, he would be worried about his career and being serious, you know, and all that other shit. But the fact that he's, like, in the fucking secret society with them, there's no chance, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's who I would still watch out. I'd watch out for them more, even though the Elks Lodge are, like, sus minstrel. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. I, I'd watch out for them a little more. Yeah, um, I mean, okay. I wouldn't, like, who the hell would join, like, any of those groups? I mean, I guess if you're an impressionable, like, Ivy League kid, joining the Skull and Bones makes more sense. But I can't even imagine anyone joining, like, the Elks Lodge these days. Unless you're, like, no, from I a can't. really I deep can't. Elks Lodge family or something. Like, you know, 
Yeah, yeah if it's a few you're a few generations deep, I could see yeah. it. And that that's that still happens, but yeah, I mean, I could see in a dark way, like why people who get tapped for like you know yeah. skull and bones because or, they're like know, already like achievers and or, strivers, and it's like a special, you know, yeah. And your life is going to be absolutely like impacted, yeah, like, in a in a certain sense positively, like yeah, for in terms like of like your material pull. wealth yeah. and influence and the security you have, like of always having this network at your back. But at the same time, I almost, well, I guess you have to have a certain personality. Cause I almost feel like, do you want to hang out with these sociopaths? <laughs> like, you know, it's like the, I guess if, yeah, some people definitely do, well, but I mean, I'm just thinking like, yeah, I mean, you have to have a certain type of personality, but like not everyone, like, I feel like if you get like black bagged and brought to like that creepy tomb at Harvard and they're like, you join the skull and bones, like, do I want these people to be my friends? Like, do it like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm sitting here in Los Angeles right now. It hasn't and happened you say, to like, me. Do you really, um, do you really want to be surrounded by all these sociopaths? It's <laughs> like, unfortunately, the answer is like, yes. Like, um, if it means like power, fame, money, like status, et cetera. Yeah, I guess you so. Know, and it's like and a pr- once in a, a lifetime. The- you either have to say yes or no. And then... Yeah, and like kind of seeks like. So usually it's people who are already inclined to do it. And if you show hesitation, you know, they, you probably don't make it through like the hazing part of things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if you if you wash out, then, well, you're not in the club and all that stuff. So, you know, when George... When George H.W. Bush tapped uh, Peter Sloan Coffin hmm. uh, into Skull and Bones, like he had to know that this is a guy that, um, despite being a wanky, uh, you know what I found out actually that wasn't in our past episodes. I think mean, in Cybernetics we talked about him. That uh, did you know that he was sent to Tehran in like 1979 by Jimmy Carter to do a like Easter mass for the hostages? Mm, no, this is the guy who. This is Alex Gibney's stepfather. Um, who was a CIA officer who was tapped into skull and bones by uh, George H.W. Bush, his childhood friend, and and became like an anti-war. He was like the top Presbyterian minister at Yale and shit and was like an anti-war, like progressive, you know, Christian pastor and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But like he has this background that's like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. And he got sent to Iran to do a mass for the hostages. But the documentary I watched kind of presented in a way like this guy was an asshole because like he participated in like a sick ritual like with tv cameras like for the mullahs like to make it seem like we're all being treated so well like our religion's being expected or being respected and he gave like interviews to american (laughs) media that was like you know i think uh everybody's being treated wonderfully here and he was like he was a covering for the mullahs but it's like yo this is like a skull and bones fucking presbyterian elder like all up in here dude what the fuck is he up to you know why doesn't alex gibney make a documentary about that by the way he was tapped into a secret society as well a more bohemian one but he said in their alumni magazine saint a's made it all happen for me so now he's the number one documentary filmmaker doing like hot button conspiracy topics awesome in a serious way yeah it's important so Yeah, St. Anthony's yeah. Hall, watch out for them, too. They act like they're libs, but, you know, they do take, a, like, a blood oath for life. So you just kind of stay vigilant. Okay, well, Delta speaking sigh. of, you know, yeah, yeah, no, they're a whole thing. Okay, final question. Do you have time for this one? Because I got to go in 40 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I, I, I know what I'm going to say. I, I have the All answer right. already. You have the I, answer. I, 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 have, I, I, have, the answer. I have a thought on this one. Well, should I read it? I guess, did, I, did you read the yeah, last yeah, one? Yeah, All right, it. all right. 
what is the East Coast SLN? What did you come up with for your answer? I uh, have my this own is by theory. Cab- this is by Cabbage Man on I guess there's uh, no October correct 30th. answer, but, you know, I have my own uh, thought. <laughs> okay, my answer for this, I discovered this recently watching this woman, this kind of woman on Twitter that I, or, like, I found a YouTube video of her that was talking about, it was some really dark shit. She was, like, recounting how she had been, like, I don't know how to say it, like an underage sex slave for, like, European like royals like kind of very de true scandal shit and but then she'd like escaped and she was like kind of exposing this sick like global elite like pedophile network and stuff and i was looking into her because somebody i think somebody sent it to me and i was like who is this woman and i noticed like okay she's kind of like a new agey kind of spiritual woman and she was headquartered at this place called the omega institute for holistic studies hmm. in upstate new york and so that that's my answer. The Omega Institute for Holistic Studies in Rhinebeck, New York, founded in 1977 by Elizabeth Lesser and Stephen Rechtschaffen, inspired by Sufi mystic Pir Vilayat Iniat Khan and his ecumenical spirituality. <laughs> uh, so okay. It's, it's a whole, there's a whole vibe. I've heard with his it. name before. Yeah, Vilayat Iniat Khan was a, like one of these guys like he's like an amalgam of everybody we've talked about before like Idris Shah to like yeah like he's a Sufi mystic who came over and like founded a sus compound in upstate New York of course it's in upstate New York in the 70s and they they're still around today though yeah Vilayat the founder of the Sufi order in the west is what it was called and he taught in the tradition yeah. of universal Sufism, or Sufism. Um, yeah, he founded a very ominous sending center in 1975 I, called the Abode of the Message. Uh, I don't believe that this guy is actually like in a chisty chain of transmission at all. He claims that that's his initiatic lineage, that he has chisti, surfwardi, uh, kadiri, and nashkbandi, that he was initiated into all those streams. I don't believe it for a second. Especially since his parents like met at the ashram of Pierre Bernard, <laughs> also known as the omnipotent Om. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I mean, I looked into this place. I even looked up the Yelp, and there's some like there's some yikes Yelps reviews about people going up there for like retreats today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also looked at like who's running it. Let me just r- name check some people that have spoken there, you know, over the years because they hold workshops and all these other things. This is a great list. So uh, New York City events have included speakers such as Al Gore, Christopher Reeve, and Eckhart Tolle. Isn't that guy, he's one of these like est type motherfuckers, right? Oh, recommended by Oprah Winfrey. He wrote The Power of Now, A Guide to Spiritual Environment. Okay, yeah, he's like a weird German guy um, who is in this New Age milieu. Sorry, going on. They host a yoga service conference every year, and the Omega Women's Leadership Center offers a conference that has included speakers such as Eve Ensler, Isabel Allende, and Sally Field. Other Omega speakers, uh, speakers and teachers have included Adya Shanti, Maya Angelou, Deepak Chopra, Pema Chadron, Jean Fleming, Jane Goodall, Pierre Vilayat Inayat Khan, Ram Das, Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, Buddhist monk from India, 
Sorry if I mangled that. Um, Allen Ginsberg, Gloria Steinem, Pete Seeger, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Philip Glass, Betty Williams, Lon Milo Duquette, and many others. Is that who they are? These are people who are all speaking. All right. Yes. So we got Gloria Steinem and Allen Ginsberg and Ram Dass, and that's very cool. RFK Jr. as well, who, by the way, his son just announced that he's been fighting. Taylor's oh, ex, right. by the way. Oh, right. Connor Kennedy. Yeah. yeah you mentioned Yeah, Connor that is, he's over there, Slava Ukrainian. That's uh, fucked up. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah. I guess Joe it is Alden pretty is fucked better up. Than, than that. Who uh, knows with Bobby? Kennedy yeah. Jr. Who really knows? Um, this is also built on this compound this institute was also built i think on the land of the new lebanon shaker village that mm. was so it was originally like shaker like a shaker right. kind of compound commune mm-hmm. thing and um just to say who's like kind of running it today because this is very interesting i noticed that the chair of the board of directors kind of a familiar last name manuela roosevelt <laughs> So, how much do you want to bet, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, they're in upstate New York, right near Hyde Park. Uh, so, Manuela was born in Bern and raised in Lugano, Switzerland, where her family can trace its patriziato lineage to the year 1400. Okay, bloodline. She lives with her family on the Springwood Estate in Hyde Park, New York, where Franklin D. Roosevelt was born and lived, and that is now a National Park Service historic site. She also spends time at her homes in Switzerland and Spain. Um, so basically, she is married to David Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's grandson. And I found a picture of them with Bill Clinton at an event. By the way, David Roosevelt's father, Elliot, was, I think I wrote it. As, oh, I had, to, I had to mention this. This is actually wild, okay? So get this. FDR's son, Elliot Roosevelt, David's father. I think he joined the military in the, he joined the Army Air Corps during World War II. And he made like a lot of claims that people disputed about like, feats that he like he claimed he saw joseph kennedy jr's plane get like shot out of the sky and they're like people are like he wasn't on that mission (laughs) like he just made it up and shit but get this okay in 1973 during the senate permanent subcommittee on investigation hearings on corruption roosevelt was accused of involvement in an assassination plot on the bahamian prime minister Hmm. in 1968 he and a quote alleged mobster frontman michael j mcclaney offered louis mastriana a hundred thousand dollars equivalent to seven hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars today to assassinate prime minister lyndon pindling mastriana was paid ten thousand dollars up front most of which came from Elliot Roosevelt, as proved by his signature on the check for the money. The assassination plot was conceived after Prime Minister Pinling's failure to issue a gambling license to an associate of Meyer Lansky, who Michael J. McClaney worked for until his conviction in 1971. It was uncovered by Mastriana. He taped all of his conversation with Elliot Roosevelt, allegedly using equipment from the U.S. Postal Service. Roosevelt maintained that this was a lie until his death. (laughs) Yo, I don't know. So... He's like he was caught up in some Masters of Paradise, like Bahamas shit with yeah, Meyer Lansky, huh. and personally paid money to like a mob guy to assassinate Lyndon Pindling. That it was in the late '60s, so this is when Resorts International was starting, in that kind of a, you know, Mary Carter Paint Company, all that shit. So I don't know why uh, Roosevelt didn't uh, pop up in Masters of Paradise, but when you talk about you know, the ruling class, like, people always say we're saying that the ruling class, like, works for the CIA, <laughs> but I think in many cases, it is the other way around. Generally, like, yeah, I feel like one's a larger uh, formation. 
like your Elliot Roosevelt is doing God, like Elliot Roosevelt wasn't ordered probably by the CIA to assassinate the prime minister of the Bahamas to get a gambling license for Meyer Lansky. It's been, he, like, he was directly involved in like profiting off of it, or there's some larger thing going on. Who knows? But then, you know, it, you know, thank God though, that his son, David Roosevelt, turned away from all that crime and power mm -hmm. and embraced a spiritual life at yes. the Omega Institute with his wife, Manuela, who can trace her Patriciato lineage back to 1400. Isn't that so great? Yes. Um, another person on the board, just worth mentioning, a guy named David Orlinsky. I don't know much about him, but he is the owner of NetJets, the largest private aviation company in the world. And it says, since first reading a book by Alan Watts some 40 years ago, David has strived to bring consciousness to all aspects of his life. Through meditation and other spiritual practices, he continues to seek spiritual growth and understanding, and he works to help others do the same. Okay, he runs the largest private aviation company in the world? NetJets? I never heard of that, but like, um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, it sounds like a shady kind of business to be in. Like, you know, I think of people like Victor Boot. I think of people like, uh, you know, that have sketchy fleets of like planes that fly around the world all the time doing God knows what. But don't worry. He reads Alan Watts. By the way, Pierre Vallayat, I don't want to get too, uh, he did live in a cave in the Alps of Chamonix where the people knew him as Le Vieux de la Montagne, the old man of the mountain. Um, once during a retreat to his cave, this is what it says. Once during a retreat, his cave was buried in snow and angels visited him. And also, of course, because you know who's going to pop up in this, right? On hearing of Pierre Valayat's passing, His Holiness the Dalai Lama wrote, I have much admiration for him. His passing is a great loss, especially for those who not only follow the spiritual path, but also believe in tolerance for other religious traditions. So he's got that cosign from the Dalai Lama himself. Nice. So that's that's my entry for Esalen fucking <laughs> East Coast edition. Yeah, I'm reading um, more about the Inatia now and uh, not uh, loving it. Uh, I mean, when I was first like uh, looking at like their invocation that they do, like I was seeing red. I mean, it's like ridiculous that they don't that their prayers like aren't from the Quran or anything. But I mean, they're a bit more like Muslim than I thought when I first like saw their invocation, but not a lot. Like at least I do mention Muhammad, but at first, like uh, when I, when they mentioned like Rama and Krishna and I'm like, Oh my God, like shut the fuck up. Like how dare you? Like, <laughs> but I'm I mean, sure we could find some very interesting uh, like influences if we really dug into. Yeah. I haven't like, like really delved in. I mean, like looking at their, uh, Cecilia, like their, you know, lineage now, like trying to see like where, you know, like did, uh, Muhammad Abu Hashim Madani Chisti really like send uh, Hazrat Pir Murshid and Ayat Khan to go uh, to the West and preach Sufism? Uh, skeptical. Hmm. But many you such know, cases. Uh, we can have, yeah. Apparently, also a, a, a Hindu Brahmin also gave him. Uh, you know the. Uh, also told him that he his mission would be in the West. Honestly, so. all these people are like they're like the left wing of like the moon. The same phenomenon like the Moonies, <laughs> but like for for like wealthy libs that like want to be told a bunch of bullshit and like take ayahuasca and have like their like dominance in the world like laundered through some kind of mystical bullshit mm -hmm. kind of thing um or turn us all into sloppy discs. I don't know, but yeah. you know, like all these people, I'm looking 
have been basically co-signed or platformed by Oprah at various points, like Elizabeth Lesser, yeah, she loves it. who is kind of the, I guess, the driving force of opening uh, the Omega Institute, was uh, featured on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, where I guess she has, I don't know, I don't know if it's like after the Super Bowl or whatever the fuck, but um, no, it's a self-help talk show. So, you know, she's got, she's had Eckhart Tolle, you know, obviously Marianne Williamson, Ram Dass, uh, all of the many of the exact same people, actually, if you look on the Wikipedia for the show, like that have gone to the Omega Institute. And I'm sure most of these people have gone to Esalen as well. Int- actually, just be, just to extend it a little bit. Let's see. She made a podcast for Super Soul Conversations in 2017 that I mean, it's got a lot of celebrities. Maria Shriver, married to Arnold. Mitch Landrew, Michelle Obama, Ralph Lauren, let's see, Lynn Manuel Miranda, Jordan Peele, Stephen Colbert, Beto O'Rourke, and Melinda Gates, you know, all this stuff. So, you know, I mean, that's all pretty mainstream, but like Oprah, like so many of these people, even Dr. Oz, even though she like didn't endorse him, like one of these like Oprah influencers, like almost became a senator, <laughs> like kind of thing. Granted, he's not, he's probably pushing more of like a Erdogan line or something like crypto Erdogan line or something than um, specific new age shit. But like all of these other people basically are, I don't know, they're running these influence. Who kn- I don't, I, I'd very much like to know like more, kind of what they're up to these days yeah uh let's see i mean did you have another option yes i do my thought was that it would be also in upstate new york actually uh lilydale because my reasoning was that esalen you know i mean i guess that also uh the place you mentioned also has like kind of roots having been like a shaker compound but you know to truly be east coast you have to like get a little bit deeper into like the susness of history because like, you know, the susness of the West coast, I feel like is a little bit, uh, the, the, the roots are are a bit shallower, even though the trees Mm -hmm. have deeper root systems there, the roots of the susness maybe are are a bit shallower. Um, you know, there's, you poke a stick in the ground out here and susness just bubbles up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so my thought was that it would be the Lilydale community, uh, Maybe familiar from uh, oh, the is this Casadega? Casadega. Oh my god. Okay, this is a good. I didn't. I thought that was in like Florida. Why did I think it was? There in Florida? is one in Florida because oh, they have okay, branches. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, there's god. the Southern Casadega Spiritualist Camp in Florida and Camp Chesterfield in Indiana that were you know founded on this. Oh god. Um, let's yeah. all right. Let's fucking go. What's up with this place? What is up with Casadega? Why? What did they do to Connor there? Well, what do they do? It's like, uh, w- like basically, it was like a spiritualist camp, like from like very early on. In fact, I think that they took the house of the Fox sisters and like moved it there, and mm. like like transplanted wow. oh, it, is, it yeah. from Highsville, New Their York. Cabin, yeah, Their cabin is there. Oh well, actually, I, I guess it was destroyed by fire, um, in 1955. Hmm. <laughs> but prior to that, it did exist there, and yeah, they're still like hardcore spiritualists. And they have like all, of the, you know, they were back then like, you know, a hub for that type of activity. And like to this day, they constantly have people like Sussler's coming out, like Deepak Chopra, John Edward. John, Ed, like the, the medium? Yes, or the yes, the medium. They're all about <laughs> the mediums. Yeah. Um, okay. Wayne uh, Walter yeah, Dyer, who is a huge Sussler, also shilled by Oprah. 
So there's definitely oh a crossover God. here. Um, but yeah, Deepak Chopra, literally, there is not a like new agey ass place that he has not like yeah. popped up at. Basically, mm-hmm. no one. The, like, I guess HBO had a thing a few years ago. No one dies in Lilydale. Maybe a documentary or something. Damn. Uh, um, there are a few paranormal like documentaries about that, like have filmed there. I guess hmm. well, like I'm to investigate. At the synopsis of the documentary: No healthy IP available. Oh, it was removed. Um, it did get removed, but long. yeah, it was like a big like hub for the spiritualist movement early on when it was known as Cas- the Casadega Lake Free Association. Um, it was like one of those spiritualist camps. Uh, like you know very mm. early on uh, and it continues I think to be like an active hub for spiritualism so my reasoning is that you know you have to go to like you know in the same way that like Esalen is the hub for the U- the human potential movement and all this stuff and the 60s new age for the east coast Esalen would you know in order to truly capture the flavor of susness on the east coast it would have to be something to do with the earlier esoteric craze of spiritualism. Um, right, it was founded in so 1879. That was what immediately came to my mind. Mm. Um, I like on the website immediately, first of all, it's like not not secure certificate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an HTTP uh, thing, but also like right on the top, it's like find a medium. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Like right, right there. So I don't know, if I click on find a medium, wow, ready to take the next step and get a private reading? Yeah, there's an Damn, amazing, they have a whole thing yeah. here of mediums, like with like phone numbers and stuff. Yeah, apparently it's just like swarming with mediums still. Like, there's an MYT article about it. Uh, they all live there. What yeah. The fuck? And they like, uh, right. Uh, everything adhered to a postcard quaintness except for a couple of details. Many of the front doors were adorned with signs that read, maybe haunted. And the church services seemed more like networking events for dead people. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? May I come There's to you, young lady? Mediums, asked yeah. Sherry Lee Calkins, a white-haired medium with an upturned nose and a sweet smile. She was channeling a spirit before a crowd that had come for the opening of Lilydale's summer season. The spirit seemed intent on dispensing cooking tips and career advice. Yeah. So this, I feel like, is like the distillation of East Coast Susness. Founded That's in 1879, it was a tented community that welcomed all manner of outsiders, including Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> Wow. So there, I yeah. mean, everybody was into it. Yeah. They? It's, uh, while wow. Chautauqua, which is nearby, its engine is philosophical, arts focused education for grown ups, also another good candidate. Spiritualism is a religious practice. The central tenet is that dead are still with us and eager to chat. There are 52 residents registered mediums in residence here, charging 80 to to $100 for a half hour reading. What a, what a racket. Wow. Um, oh my God. Spirit world. Yeah. And yeah, this, I guess, was still... if you just look at the pictures of this, like it's really, yeah, sweat lodges and everything. Yeah. It's like excellent vibes for sure. But like with a, you know, uh, an old school susness, like saying, I guess it has flavor. that spa almost yeah. like spa spiritual rehab aspect to it that, you know, Connor needed after all those years of indie sleaze, you know, um, I guess Cassidy, so. Yeah, I don't know. Said, I mean, I never thought that album alive. was very good. I feel like you did ghosts, or did not. I di- I never did. I didn't think it was very good. Oh. I remember being disappointed by it. I don't know. Did you like it? Uh, I like the Four Winds EP a lot because that which is basically like half the songs on Casadega. Mm-hmm. And then I feel right. like when the full album came out, I still like those songs. I think I think Four Winds and um, Taurus Trap are both really good songs, but uh, but it wasn't as strong as the ones preceding it but i also feel it was the last one that i connected with before 
he kind of, I don't know what he did for a while. Like, did yeah, he like stopped releasing Bright Eyes albums for like yeah a number of years after that, uh, or not long yeah, after. Yeah, he collaborated with Phoebe Bridgers I checked out. recently, I remember, right? Yeah, but... That's right. He that's became right. Connor Oberst, basically. Um, I guess so. I saw him this year. Oh, yeah. Out in the, de- out in the sus, like, desert. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, Pioneer he's doing Town. Bright Eyes again now, right? Um, he is. He's yeah. Bright Eyes. Uh, I was really pissed that he didn't sing When the President Talks to God. I thought that was a cop-out. Um, uh, okay. Connor, if you ever hear this. Um, bring it out. People will appreciate it. Um, but I guess not since Brandon's president. It's not yeah. cool to say. And I, feel I forget like why I thought he would do it. It was like Bush uh, era. Uh, I think it was right Bush after era. the Dobbs decision. So I thought everyone was like mad. So I thought like he's going to do like his old hit, you know, about. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't. Um, but he did I four wins. Did four wins. Song, a good, yeah. Four wins. Uh, I might close out the episode with four wins if I haven't used it before. Um, mm-hmm. Very biblical kind of song that mentions Casadega. Yeah. So maybe my last like up-tempo banger from him that I really connected to but yeah yeah i think i liked both his these, newer album um, okay whatever i forget what it was called i wasn't doing that much the one during the pandemic yeah yeah i listened to it like all the way through one night when it came out and i liked it a lot and then i like didn't listen to it again but <laughs> I'm like, you know what i mean not in yeah. a bad way just like oh, okay right yeah, that's good yeah all right Down um leads, yeah I so i guess that's uh if you want to go get psyop on the east coast yeah um, good place those to are some up. places to do it watch out though because according to the yelp reviews um all the people that live at the omega institute sell drugs and the the cabins are like don't have like electricity and heat and it's like disgusting and sus and uh, nobody feels safe when they go there allegedly according to some reviewers um they were very sketched out by it so maybe it's like seen better times than you know it is right now um but you know, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to test your luck, but I guess if you want to talk to dead people, go to Casadega. That's where, yeah, true. that's where that action is. Yeah. And I'm um, sure you can find drugs there as well, but you might be, yeah. I mean, what is more offensive? Like, uh, I mean, you know, maybe there is some chisty lineage to, uh, the Inyati order. I won't, uh, you know, I'll give them Hassan Alzan. Um, <laughs> it's a big claim. It is a big, a I big mean, claim. yeah, it's a pretty big claim. I'd like to, you know, see some Ijez. I'd like to see some, you know, more solid documentation. I'm very, uh, I feel like mentioning Rama and Krishna this, in this climate, <laughs> in your, um, you know, <laughs> in your, in your liturgy, it's like a little bit like, eh, not loving it, but yeah. Well, they're no if nothing else, Hindus, they're you know, they're remixing all of the ascended masters into one big I am casserole that we can all enjoy. Yeah, and that's, that's uh, great. get that's tricked that's by as we microdose PCP every day, which is totally safe. Yeah, and, uh, I think that the you know the most the most fruitful spiritual path is simply to take MDMA in a lab controlled setting where you're perfectly safe. Um, and Hamilton's watching out for you and he's not us at all. And how dare you imply that <laughs> the biofeedback machine that he's putting on your head right now is yeah, totally cool. Awesome. Even though it makes you feel like you're about to be sucked into the wall socket and become one of the big brothers. <laughs> it's totally liberatory. Yes, it's awesome. Honestly, just so silly for anyone to, and like one of the articles that he was he, complaining about, like that he put on his like PowerPoint at that like psychedelic conference 
that he was like, you know, saying like these puritanical freaks. One of them was literally the headline was like, not all the insights you get on a psychedelic trip can be trusted. <laughs> and he was like, this is just silly. This is just nonsense. Is this peer reviewed? It's not serious. Yeah. It's not serious at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he literally like a direct quote of his was, you know, and people are going to say like, blah, 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 something, something, Peter Thiel. Like, like it's literally, that was his summary of like people being concerned about Peter Thiel backing mm-hmm. psychedelic companies was uh, like something, something, blah, 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 Peter Thiel. So it's not serious. Don't worry about it. Um, honestly, that would be the third option or East Coast Esalen, whatever the fuck that like psychedelic conference was in Miami that they were all speaking at. That looked like quite the... Um, quite the interesting gathering so to speak and maybe if we circle around to like like a modern psychedelic kind of check-in overview like talk about maps compass whatever this program is yeah you know and some of the newer because there are a few proselytizers like michael pollan who i feel like wasn't he writing like diet books or something like the omnivore's dilemma or some shit like years ago and then he switched to being like mr psychedelics michael pollan point yeah yeah um, right yeah like he wrote He's a kind of mr. liberal psychedelics yeah yeah and you yeah, know who so else is mr psychedelics uh the who? father of a uh prominent uh left-wing uh journalist uh aaron mate gabor mate is a huge proponent of psychedelics really? and was actually ordered to stop doing psychedelic therapy by the canadian government because he was doing wait it i've heard that name before but i didn't think they were like no related. he's his father what the fuck I'm looking at it right now. Born in <laughs> Budapest. Born in Budapest uh, yeah. in 1944. But wait, so he was using lots of psychedelics on people? In, uh, okay, here we go. Yeah. In 2010, Mate became interested in... Also, there's something just like weird, like Dracula, about like the fact that he's named like Mate, like the drink, the South, the popular yeah, South American drink. Ma- it always made me think of ayahuasca in like a weird associative mm-hmm. way. So this is wild. In 2010, Mate became interested in the traditional Amazonian plant medicine, ayahuasca, and its potential for treating addictions. He partnered with a, uh, with a Peruvian Shipibo ayahuascaro and began leading multi-day retreats for addiction treatment, including ones in a Coast Salish First Nations community that were the subject of an observational study by health researchers from the University of Victoria and the University of British Columbia, although preliminary and limited by the observational study design. Uh, the research results showed that Mate's claims of therapeutic efficacy were well-founded and the participants had significant improvements in blah, blah, blah. Yeah, some okay, psychological so that, errors and reductions in problematic substance use sounds like bullshit and like, yeah, uh, limited by observational studies. So basically they looked at them. It was totally a preliminary observational, but of course, you know, how amazing these drugs are. Anyway, uh, yeah. But I'm not seeing anything like all the, the whole Wikipedia is a very, very. Um, well, when the Canadian government learned about Mate's work with ayahuasca in 2011, Health Canada threatened him with arrest if he did not immediately stop his activities with an illegal drug. Health Canada's own research on ayahuasca in 2008 showed that they knew the risks associated with the ceremonial use of the brew were very low and that it had considerable potential for spiritual and self actualizing purposes. Wow, I like how that's like worked in there. It's not relevant to Gabor Mate at all but i guess you know some of the most ridiculous things ever been on wikipedia like you know that's just like some again these like evangelists coming out just like the people who like uh you know uh, take the side of robert caleb against scott mather on wikipedia um (laughs) but i don't think that that is like substantiated at all 
I think it's like very much up in the air and that like the way of like assessing this, I don't know, we'll talk about it, but I feel like, you know, I, I like the stuff that has got Hamilton all freaked out. Like there's something to it. I feel like even people who are within that community, like, you know, the psychonauts themselves are starting to be like, wait a minute, like all of these, you know, this huge push, like there's so much, uh, like uh, so many like bad behaviors like around it, but yeah, like, hit dogs be hollering. Yes. I think you know, and uh, I'm trying to read this article about him psychoanalyzing Justin Trudeau's childhood, like from a distance, <laughs> like in a Canadian, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. Uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm really not seeing like like everything. He's a, I don't know where I saw his name before. It's just like kind of a very um specific kind of thing but it's all very like using ptsd like five people who use psychedelics to treat ptsd um i guess he went on something called the tim ferris show Mm -hmm. to talk about like using ayahuasca um to there's a movie called dosed (laughs) two that explores legal so maybe that's something to watch that explores legal psychedelic therapy and highlights the changing landscape of mental Healthcare, huh? Peruvian lynching death underscores risks of journey into the jungle and the mind. I kind of remember this. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't somebody kill somebody on an ayahuasca trip, and then the local villagers like lynched him? <laughs> I don't remember that. Interesting. Uh, huh? Yeah, he what Woodruff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, promise of enlightenment can turn tourists into targets for unregulated ayahuasca industry. Sebastian Woodruff. Um, and he also like see. it's kind of sus like Gabor Mate's entire framework of addiction again like I'm not an addiction scientist you know I'm not a chemist or whatever uh not a peer-reviewed thought but it is odd that his whole thing is about like how early childhood experiences like I mean I know that he is interested in the subject because he had childhood experiences that must have been traumatic like you know being yeah. born in 1944 and having parents who died in the holocaust but mm-hmm. the idea that like all addiction like has to do with that and it's not really like biochemical it can all be what is, what by, is his art what is his argument what is mate's argument about um, um he says mate claims that addiction results from deficiencies in these neurosystems that cause people with addiction to self-medicate to replace their missing neurostimulation. In this sense, people are addicted to drugs as replacement for the brain chemicals their own bodies fail to process. Those are the things other than drugs are reacting to the same internal chemistry but with different external stimulants. So the theory of addiction is rooted in childhood abuse, right? The first five years of life dictate the likelihood of addiction. So, like, yeah, deficiencies in people's ability to process endorphins and dopamine cause you to become addicted to things later so it's like the ultimate kind of chemical imbalance thing although it is environmental and it's based on like your so your childhood and then so that's why is, people like, are addicted the, not because like you huh. know uh oxycontin is addictive or anything uh and that's why you like, can just take the society yeah, you, pushes all these drugs you're on us. solving yeah. the sackler problem because you can just take your oxycontin but then as long as you take some ayahuasca too it's fine because you won't become addicted because it'll solve your childhood trauma um, I mean, that's wild, though. That okay, so he's that sounds like the implication there is that if you have an addiction, and that most addicts are kind, traumatized as kids, which I do not think is true necessarily. Probably, I don't think that's true. Either. I would imagine there's some correlation, probably. Like you know, uh, it's like a weird version upset, of like Freud's. Solace, you know, like, yeah, it's like it's like a weird version of like Freud's original theory about neurosis being caused by like childhood sexual abuse and things like that in Vienna. That he later recanted, but it's saying like that, I don't know, it's like kind of saying the same thing, but 
but applying it to addiction as opposed to like trauma or something. So it's like, it's weird to say every addict must have childhood, early childhood trauma. And it, and the best way to cure that is by giving them psychedelics. This like, guy, I don't know. I think psychedelics, you know, they, they could help. Um, yeah, there might be addiction. some like there, but like it's incredibly overhyped and like in a very sus way that is clearly tied to like the stock portfolio or <laughs> like, you know, this, the like of the, the company that Hamilton Morris works for, et cetera. But yeah, this is what yeah, this yeah, guy for psychedelic, uh, sorry, for uh, psychology today, psychedelic today, uh, psychology today, Stanton Peel, uh, a PhD note it had to say. Okay, take him uh, seriously. Yeah, take him we seriously. Got it. Uh, so yeah. this is in 2011, but he said, um, you know, it is important to respect Mate's work with individuals living with addictions. For this reason, people who work with clients from a harm reduction perspective, uh, that is, they accept people as they are and seek to help those in need. They deeply admire Mate. In addition, Mate's exploring of the root causes of addiction may in some sense represent progress out of a deterministic disease concept of addiction because it broadens the range of experiences that can lead to addiction uh, and through which addiction expresses itself. Unfortunately, however, Mate is fundamentally proposing a reductionist vision of addiction where abuse history and positive biochemical changes are now the essential causes of people's self-destructive action. It is not enough to say that the model is highly conjectural. And then, you know, blah, 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 he goes on. Uh, but he says one counter argument might be that injection drug use is low among the population because so few people who have experienced abuse are exposed to injectable drugs. And this is in favor. But, you know, so then he goes on to say, like, uh, hmm. you know, uh, in this context, harm reductionists embrace Mate's uh, their embrace of him is extremely troubling. For contrary to popular beliefs in these circles, Mate is actually diverting the addiction field from a more comprehensive and practicable view of addiction. Mate's embrace of ayahuasca does not support the broad harm reduction goals of expanding the resources available to people with addictions like those in Vancouver or developing their skills for functioning in their worlds or of holding up the hope that they can improve their lives. And so this approach is reductive, monosyllabic, and really no different than the disease camp's fool's goals quest for an addiction vaccine and the forlorn hope that we can remedy addiction without improving human lives. Um, Hell yeah, exactly. Like, that's what is so bizarre. Like, I get that there's a kind of like a grain of truth. It's like, I can see like, okay, vaguely, yeah. like Yeah, it's you know, not like the, our like, framework of addiction. Like, there is a simplistic framework of addiction that's also prominent, but you're just replacing it with another one and like a magic pill that can cure not only addiction, but like climate change and like people being right wing or like whatever, you know? This is literally like crypto will change everything. Yeah, like psychedelics will. From like, the same people. They, yeah. Oh my God, we tried this in the 60s. Like, this is the line that all the pushers sold in the 60s, like Tim Leary, all these sus motherfuckers. And we saw how it played out then. And then we've seen subsequently, like, how much of that was managed and, like, manipulated and things like that. And now in this second wave, like, yeah, just that idea that addiction causes a chemical imbalance that then like ayahuasca corrects that's yeah. like a bunch of assumptions that, yeah, or that i'm not it, sure yeah, that there's he's a chemical born imbalance out. that addiction is treating but then you can cure it with ayahuasca like i'm not even sure if a, a chemical imbalance like actually like does like i i'm literally we have to get jay on like i literally don't know scientifically yeah, but i'm I mean, willing to do, bet that there's at least contention yeah we could, we have should definitely do an app on this because i'm on this tip for sure. Yeah. Um, th- no, this is so they're showing their asses a little bit. Yeah, like, this and is I'm getting also too like obvious. fired up because I hate Hamilton ever since we were accused of slandering him for saying that he's incredibly sus, which he is. Uh and like maybe we'll bring on some of those real serious scientists yeah, um, who wrote papers talking about why 
the psychedelics are not and, and all the instrumentality of it is like such a dead giveaway yeah. that like the magic pill like the spiritual oxycontin that is going to like literally solve all of the world's political problems by changing the consciousness uh, of people on kind of like a scaled individual basis is so ridiculous and in the meantime anybody who does that's going to make a shitload of money off selling the drugs and uh, also probably make a bunch of people more susceptible to believing all kinds of shit. Not just that uh, climate change is important, but like a lot of things. Like, you know, let's say a fairy is telling me to go to Paul Pelosi's house and bash his head in with a hammer. Yeah. Right? Because that guy was seeing fairies. <laughs> he was taking psychedelics for years. Maybe he had some other problems. Maybe he had some nah, early childhood I mean, trauma, yeah, whatever. Maybe, but, but like he went right go- on that deadhead to Q pipeline, allegedly. Yeah. And but that yeah. you know, but I'm like, even if that case Don't is weird, let anyone talk like, about that. Yeah, there are cases of that. It's like that guy was for sure. Yeah, like like in somebody that re- lets their life revolve around like psychedelics is kind of a cure all or something to totally center yourself on. Yeah, and that it's like a magical fix. Like, how do you know? I feel like if psychedelics have any benefit, it's it's way more in like a a hard to pin down like subjective psychological like experiential way yeah. where. You could have like kind of like an emotional breakthrough, but it's not like your chemicals in your brain are like recalibrating, recalibrating, and then like you're (laughs) not depressed after. Like, what the fuck? Like, no, it's like a subjective human experience. And, you know, like, I don't know, the ontology of psychedelics or something like that. I mean, it reminds me about like, you know, it's about like your actions and experience, your experiential journey for this thing. Like, just like any journey you go through could, like, change your consciousness. It's heightened, so it's, like, all cranked up, so it could hit you harder. But I don't know if it, like, has literally anybody proved that it changes your brain chemistry? Have we even pinned down the brain chemistry? I guess they've, like, what? like I mean, we can explore it, but I got to roll that. Whatever. All right. We definitely should, yeah. We're getting in the science weeds. All right. We're playing fast and loose. Anyway. That's our questions for today. We're going to be back soon with a whole nother round to uh, yeah. to close out the year and hopefully hopefully make a dent so that we're only months behind yeah. soon. But until next time, dear listeners, stay vigilant. Peace. You clash your cast your country, set your name or your tribe. There's people always dying trying to keep them alive. There's bodies decomposing in containers tonight In an abandoned building where The squad has made a mural of a Mexican girl With 15 cans of spray paint in a chemical swirl She's standing in the ashes at the end of the world Four winds blowing through her hair But when great Satan's gone The horror of Babylon well, she just can't Death to 
corals mew If you burn them all together You get close to the truth still They're pouring over Sanskrit under ivy leaf moons While shadows lengthen in the sun Cast on a school of meditation Built to soften the times And hold us at the center While the spiral unwinds It's knocking over fences Crossing property lines Four winds cry until it comes And it's the Retracing my steps All the way to Casadega To commune with the dead They said you'd better look alive And now soft to hold the coat Where a genocide sleeps In the black hills, the black 